never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that will do everything it can to keep our legacy hosts alive once we reach franchise status. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Hey, man. Here for now. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll get there. We'll be a franchise at some point. We gotta, we'll, we'll build the network and then, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it'll be the top five network as opposed to the top five report, right? Um That'll be great. How's your week been? Pretty good. Um, it's kind of not not a ton of crazy stuff going on, so that's good. But uh, yeah, just, just hanging out. <laughs> How about you? Mine's been crazy busy, so it is what it is, I guess. Awesome. Um, anyway, joining us this evening, um, back for a second round at the table, uh, straight from my other D&D table, Audrey is back. Uh, welcome. Yeah, thanks. I'm yeah, glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, so I, I joked a couple weeks ago about you texting me all the time about trying to come back on the show. Yeah, it's not all it's not all the time, but I do <laughs> <laughs> I do like to play along at home and make my lists and which ultimately and is what I want is people <laughs> to play along at home. But yeah, no, by all means, come back anytime. The seat's always there for you. Um, how have you been this week? Not too bad. Um, fresh off the field, uh, just finished a kickball game earlier today. I wish I could say we won, but we unfortunately lost. So. And you're handicapped uh, while playing, right? Yeah, we are. It is a cup-in-hand kickball league. Uh, we all usually play with beer, but after the first <laughs> game, <laughs> we got covered in beer too. You know, it was too. Is very sticky as well. So we learned to play with water, and it's been a lot of fun. It's it. It's tough. It's I'm not gonna lie. It's tough. You just have to chug beer while you're up to bat or something. You, Is that the so uh, deal? You, you constantly need to have a cup in your hand, and it needs to be filled to a certain level. It's like that mm-hmm. first top rung in a solo cup. And um, if you were batting, playing a field, regardless, you need to have a cup in your hand, and you also need to maintain that liquid level as well. So if you make a play but drop the cup, the play doesn't count. So it's probably 50-50 whether or not, you know, I don't, a lot of it boils down to luck, uh, some athleticism, but we've seen uh, people who probably don't play often make some pretty amazing plays. <laughs> <laughs> how, so, okay, so how, and this makes me seriously wonder now, how does that work if you, so you make a play? Yeah. Some of the water sloshes out. It's not filled to the level. Is there a lot of refilling mid-inning? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because instinct, when a ball is coming at you, is to use both hands, right. regardless of whether or not 
or to drop the cup and then, you know, yeah. try and make a play with the ball. Um, yeah, it's, okay. it's tough. We've had uh, solo cups straight up explode in, in people's hands. Uh, yeah, excellent. I got, I actually, um, <laughs> I was at a local concert a couple weeks ago. <sighs> And so I had a beer in my hand. It's kind of like holding it a little lower than I probably should have been holding it. But you're literally talking around people. You don't think about it. Suddenly a beach ball out of nowhere slams the cup like into my thigh, beer everywhere. I'm like, what? And I turn and a friend of mine's literally like laughing. And he's like, I'm sorry, dude, that was my bad. Like, (laughs) let me get you another beer. Let me like, you know, I'm like, well, that's not going to help with my pants are now soaking wet. Like, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Much like that. (laughs) Anyway. Well, first of all, I'm just excited that uh, Drew was actually drinking beer because uh, as far as I know, that doesn't happen too often. But um, no, I I think the kickball thing sounds amazing. I didn't know about this sort of cup in hand kickball phenomenon that was going on, but I think that's awesome. And I just didn't know if it was one of those things where you learned to play on the field with water. But then as soon as you're in the dugout, everybody's just oh, <laughs> chugging yeah. beers to catch up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. At our a lot of I'd say the average age of our team is probably upper thirties. Nice. So we're we're not really chugging. You know, there are there are some teams where we're we're not keeping up uh, on that part of the field. <laughs> <laughs> Can't give up the dream. That's all I'm saying. But no, that that sounds amazing. So. Um, speaking of the dream and wanting to spend our lives watching everything in the world and consuming stuff, um, have you watched anything this week, Peter? Uh, not a lot segues. Can you tell? Um. <laughs> not not too much, which is probably good, um, since we have some news and stuff to talk about. But uh, I did start watching uh, Superpowered, the uh, story of DC oh, or yeah, however it's yeah. worded. I've watched two episodes, two out of the three. I didn't have time to squeeze the third one in, but I'm really loving this documentary. It's really good. It's like a really good watch for somebody who's either well-versed on the history of comics or for somebody who's probably a newcomer. Um, My biggest, not even complaint, just kind of observation about the whole series is basically that they go through everything very fast. (laughs) Like there's a lot of events and periods in DC Comics history where I'm watching it and I'm going, I don't, I kind of wish you lingered on that a little bit more, but I do understand there's a ton of, uh, ton of stuff to cover. Um, the only other thing that I'm not sure if I'm loving about it is they definitely jump around the timeline a lot. Like they'll talk about like, like they'll talk about the newer Shazam movies and then they'll switch and go back to the origin of Captain Marvel as a character. And it's kind of cool how that segues, but it's also like a little bit hard to keep track of. You broke up, man. Pete. Oh no. Did I lose you? Cause that's hilarious. If you did, I at least have Audrey still in the oh, studio. <laughs> oh, that sucks. And I was going to ask like, so you've, you've also already watched the documentary. Is it then sectioned off kind of by character? And then the timeline for each character is kind of not, like deep dive. Not di- is that why it's not okay. Entirely. Oh no. Peter. Um, oh, okay, we go. Uh-oh, Peter's calling. calling. So I'm going to stop this recording and we're going to pick up. Okay. So, that was interesting. Peter, uh, we lost you. Quick technical difficulties as the best way of putting it. Uh, your Skype dropped out, whatever. Um, that sucks, but we got you back, right? You're here. We can hear yeah. you. 
Okay. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so, to pick you back up where we left off, you were talking about how the documentary bounced back and forth a little bit, um, where it went from, like, old school to, like, new school, and then, like, kind of bounced around timeline, if you will. Like, it talked about, like, the new Shazam stuff, but then jumped back to, like, the 50s with the old Shazam stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that was pretty much my only, I don't know if it's a complaint, but it was a little bit of a, I'm not exactly sure where to keep track of everything within this timeline while watching this. And uh, so that was, like, maybe the only thing that I wonder, like, I I get that they probably didn't want to do just a straightforward linear timeline, but at the same time, when you're watching it and you're just trying to retain this information, I don't know if it's best to jump around a lot like that, but uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on well, uh, Audrey, how they organize that, Drew. I had a question right when we lost you, so I'm going to let her nice. the question so I can <laughs> try my best to answer the question. Uh, did it break it down by characters and then do a deep dive into each character's timeline, or was it just an overall, like, I don't know, is it golden age? Um, it's, it just kind of goes. It's more of a golden age, silver line. age. Like they're trying to do. Yeah. But what's oh. interesting about the Shazam specific one that he's talking about is that they're like, you know, they start talking about how like before we, before Superman was on the screen live action, the first live action superhero was happened to be Shazam, but they don't have anyone alive from that era anymore. So they were like, but, they, so they jump ahead, so you get, they're like, you know, blah, 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 Shazam on the big screen in 20-whatever, ah. and you get to hear Zachary Levi talk a little bit about the character, and then they bounce back and show you some old-school footage, and, Got it. you know. Okay. So, to that point, I see what he's saying, but at the same time, you're like, well, you have people that actually worked on the current stuff and can actually, and reflect back at, you know. Yeah, I I think with the with the case with Shazam, that was the most glaring incident where it was like they mentioned that Shazam technically was the first um, superhero to appear on the big screen. And they kind of really glossed over that and then jumped to current day, which was fine. But at the same time, I was a little bit like, well, I kind of wanted to hear more about the Shazam uh, serials that they were talking about before. And that was really like the biggest like glaring issue where I was like, okay, I'm not sure if I'm a fan of how they're jumping around here, but uh, Drew, as we've discussed, like, we're both kind of familiar with the uh, timeline as it is, but I just feel like for a newcomer, it might not be the best way to present the timeline. Yeah, and I just, I honestly think it's because we have current people who can talk. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, talk professionally about it and actually can... Artists themselves, right? Exactly. And I just, I really think that's what it was. Is that okay. they were trying to achieve anyway? I don't know. Yeah. Um. But no, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I thought the, I thought all three episodes were fantastic. Um. And I really I agree it should have been longer. I wish it was six instead of three. So maybe we'll get more. Um. But I thought it was great. Yeah, that's a good point. And and I really did love. I don't want to go like on and on too much about this documentary, but I actually did love that they were going into like the history of uh, Vertigo comics, like the Vertigo section of the DC universe, because I actually wasn't super familiar with some of that stuff. So there's definitely like some really cool tidbits to, uh, to learn from watching this, uh, from watching that show. Um, The the only other thing I really watched this week was I caught up on uh, my adventures with Superman. Uh, Drew, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch this series at all yet. Unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's funny. 
So it's it's not it's not funny that you haven't watched it because I know you're gonna check it out eventually and I'm excited to hear your thoughts. But I don't know what it is, but every time I go onto Twitter or, or I guess I'm, I should call it X now. X, We're calling it X. That's what your, <laughs> that's what your app shows. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, I but, guess we're on X now. <laughs> Every time I go on social media, I see so many posts about my adventures with Superman, and it's probably because I'm in my own bubble, and I'm just seeing a lot of people comment on, you know, DC animated series and stuff, but it's one of those things where if I'm an episode or two behind... I just have this like constant reminder on social media and it's actually kind of cool because it's forcing me to uh, stay current with the series, but I'll, I have like a few quick takeaways. I think I'm up through episode five in that series, um, which is current right now. And uh, last week, I think it was last week or the week before I was talking about how the show is doing a lot of, having certain villains from, uh, you know, Superman and the DC universe, a lot of the villains they're uh, showcasing in the series, they are giving them more tech-based abilities as opposed to superpowers. So, for example, um, Livewire is a good example. Like, Livewire shows up, and instead of having, like, electric, like, superpower abilities – she has like tech, like, you know, robotic tech that makes right. her shoot electricity and stuff like that. And there's a number of characters that they do that with. But the thing that I realized after watching these most recent episodes is that's because they're having uh, Deathstroke kind of be the main villain of the series. And all of the robot tech kind of has a similar motif because it's all tied back to Deathstroke and how Deathstroke is kind of like a dealer of these like um of of these like robotic weapons and stuff like that and I realized that and I was like that's actually a cool way to tie all this together and even though I want to see the real superpower version of Livewire and Silver Banshee and some of the other characters they're showcasing it's kind of like a really cool choice to have this uh, sort of robotic motif that's tying all the characters together and relating it back to the main villain of the series. Um, It's really weird, though, because as I mentioned before, a lot of people are complaining about every aspect of the series so far. And I find it funny because I don't know if, I'm on that boat because I don't know if I feel like this series is the end all be all <laughs> Superman thing. You know, we have like the, t- the Bruce Tim, like Superman or new adventures of Superman, like the nineties animated series that is so quintessential and such a good representation of the Superman comics. And my adventures with Superman is kind of like just kind of this fun little offshoot. That's like, kind of like this anime-inspired, just fun little thing. And it's they're doing cool stuff, and the spirit of Superman is there. But I don't feel like everything needs to be exactly like the comics with it, because like I said, I just don't view it as the end-all, be-all Superman property, if that makes sense. And that even goes into, like, a lot of people are getting mad at the way that Lois Lane's character is being portrayed and stuff, and you watch the show and it's just kind of this really cute, fun, like good series. And then you go online and these people are going crazy about it. It's kind of like, 
I don't, there's like a huge dis- disconnect with like the show itself and the fan base in that way. So that's kind of my main takeaways from these last episodes. Did you ever watch The Batman? Uh, not the oh, movie, the animated series. Yeah, a little bit. Not like, uh, not religiously, but I did catch a handful of the episodes and, uh, that some show, of the movies. Yeah. That show kind of handles itself in a very similar vein to what you're describing in right. terms of, um, it's not Batman the animated series or like the Bruce Tim, but it's Batman animated and it kind of covers the same thing and it kind of gives each character a little different Tech based is not the best way of wording it, no, but it's like, like a the, modernization, it, right? Of, kind of, like, yeah. Especially technology and like but, when those comics came out, like yeah. Know. But what they were trying to do with that show, I thought was kind of brilliant. It's not the best, but hey, it's more Batman and yeah, no. You know, and, hey, and, the artist changed. You yeah, know what I, I mean? Like exactly. Yeah, yeah, Pete. I completely agree. Like, and I know, like I am the first person to jump in line when a. Uh, my you know a favorite book becomes a movie like I want to be the one to see it but like somebody already did that like I want to see you know like even if it's your own spin on it like I I want to see that I don't I don't want to see an exact you know retelling of of something that somebody else already created so yeah I I very much agree I I haven't seen it yet but that makes me want to see it hearing you say that yeah and it's it's not even that like it's not even it's the one of the big reasons that I don't need this to be an exact telling of like any version of like DC Superman comics is because we already have so many iterations of Superman between live action and uh, animation that like it's okay for this one thing to be its own thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we have the nineties animated series. We have the newer uh, DC animated movies. We have the Snyder verse. We have, I mean, uh, Superman and Lois, like the CW show is still going on and that's just kicking ass. Like I need to catch up on that a little bit, but from what I know, it's just, that's just kicking ass and is being like, is handling the source material so well. And to me, it's just kind of funny that like, this little animated series offshoot that I think is actually really cool so far, people are going nuts about online. And it's kind of just one of those, like, are we watching the same thing sort of thing? So I don't know. I've, I've been really enjoying the show though. So, um, did you watch anything else? That's pretty much it for me this week. So, well, my week was so insanely busy. I didn't actually get to watch anything. Anything? No. And it was weird, and I literally was thinking back. I was like, okay, hold on. What did I do Saturday? Oh, okay, now I know why I didn't watch something on Saturday. What did I do Sunday? Oh, that's why I didn't watch anything on Sunday. Like, literally just so much stuff hit that I'm like, wow, I didn't actually watch anything, which I think is weird, but that's, that's all right. I actually, like, I woke up Sunday morning. I had, like, probably, like, an hour to kill, and I didn't know what to watch, and I'm like, I'm not going to start, like, a movie I'm not going to, like, and I was too kind of, like, tired to, like, focus on something brand new, so I just turned on, um, um, I don't know if you ever watched the sitcom Rules of Engagement. Um, It was, it ran from, like, 2007 to, like, 2016, I think, maybe 2017, and it's really just, you know, you have a married couple who lives across the hall from a couple that just got engaged, and then David Spade is the fifth wheel. (laughs) Um, So... The show is just literally, it's just a sitcom that is really funny. It's like you have the married couple, uh, uh, Megan Price and uh, Patrick Warburton, and then you have uh, 
uh, the couple that just got engaged. I cannot remember the girl's name, but it's Oliver Hudson, uh, which is Kate Hudson's brother. Oh. And then David Spade's The Fifth Wheel. You know what I mean? And it's really like, it's really just funny to watch because you have the two different couples and you have the single guy just trying to get laid everywhere he goes. Oh, you know right. what I mean? But it's David Spade <laughs> trying to get laid everywhere yeah. he goes. So the one-liners, the one-liners in the show are really funny. And I was like, eh, this is a good rewatch to just there be mindless. So I didn't really watch anything new, unfortunately. But in all seriousness, Rules of Engagement is pretty funny and the whole thing's on Prime. So enjoy it. Like, if you get a chance. Um, Audrey, what about you? Um, at first I'm going to say when the next time either of you have like a lull in your day, it's a 20 minute video. It, it, it honestly Perfect. feels like a full length, like full length movie. It's called Fool's Day and it's basically Fool's Day, Fool's day like April Fool's Day. Drop the April. So just Fool's Day. Okay. It's about a, a group of kids in a classroom like basically conducting what they think is going to be the greatest prank ever, which is basically them just putting whatever they can get their hands on, including an entire box of laxatives into the teacher's coffee machine so that when she takes her, like, you know, gets her morning cup in the morning, whatever filters through is all in her coffee. That's all I'm going to tell you. Excellent. It, um <laughs> Honestly, it's is it hilarious. on YouTube or is it's it on YouTube? Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a small. Like, is it like a short film? It's a short film. Yeah. Okay. So, and like I said, if you're just looking for something to kind of watch, um, Bill and I like um, either we watch a lot of TV while we eat as well. Oh, so at this point, seriously, <laughs> like we doesn't? don't have a dining you know, room like, table that we use at all. You know, my dining room table becomes a game table. It becomes a project table. It becomes like crafting space like there's always stuff covered on it so I can never actually eat at that Mm -hmm. table like I never get to eat at that table so it's a lot of let's sit down and eat what are we watching while we eat exactly or so sometimes you know I'll come home from work we haven't made the meal yet and then we're going to order food well the time that it takes for it to be delivered you kind of have to watch something short you don't want to start a movie and then have the food be delivered you know like once I'm in it, I'm in it. So we're going to watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And this was the perfect just kind of delivery. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, Buffalo Banzai. Um, so I haven't watched that movie <laughs> Speaking of segues. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so I haven't seen Buckaroo Banzai in a really, really long time. And instead of watching... Rules of Engagement, I almost fired up Buckaroo Banzai because it's going to be leaving that's Amazon. Hilarious. Yeah, that's how we found like, it. real soon. Yes. So is this, and I was like, man, I should probably watch it before they pull it, but is this your first time the seeing The first the time. Bill and I, yeah, neither, my husband and I, neither of us had seen it. It was something he had heard about, like, he does a lot of Kevin Smith's podcasts. Yeah. So he talks about it a lot. Yeah, and, it was and just then like, the big, you know, you know Ready Player list. One reference and all that <laughs> stuff, yeah. <laughs> I've never laughed harder. <laughs> So solid, yeah. Um, I've also never seen Night at the Museum, so I consumed that earlier. Ben this Stiller, week. Night at the Museum. You're catching up, apparently. Like, I, yes, exactly. Um, Sweet Tooth, which is um, the yeah, 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 yeah. Just come on hmm. uh, Netflix. That one's really good. Um, we really like. Um, I'd say it's. We thought it was going to be kind of more of a kid-driven 
You know, we didn't oh. think of the themes were going to be as adult as they were. <laughs> oh, I, I, it's really funny because I kind of went into that knowing the themes were going to be. Oh, like really? A, okay. Yeah, like I kind of went so, in knowing exactly what I was really getting. Really, enjoy- and it was kind of like, <laughs> did you guys watch Lock and Key? I have not watched it yet, so unfortunately. Similar, but I've read. I feel like vibe chunk of it. Okay. So I kind of like I'm gonna walk into that kind of already knowing stuff. Yeah, like totally for kids. <laughs> um, we also did the first episode of Futurama. That's uh, been rebooted. Um, like the like the new one. Oh, the like, new one. How's that? Yeah, exactly. Enjoy. I mean, it, so I'm not gonna lie. It was kind of. It wasn't a. Uh, like a clip episode, but it was like the episode they did the first time they rebo- rebooted and then made all the jokes about like, so, rebooted, you know, so, so for like, a first episode, familiar. they did a clip show. That's and, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but never actually showed any clips. That's, it was just, it just for Matt Groening, groaning, however you say his name, uh, that is uh, very meta for him to do a clip show on the first episode. That's kind <laughs> of funny. <laughs> He beat um, the Clerks animated series where they had the clip clip episode on the second episode of the series. But uh, no, yeah. I love I love Futurama. It's one of my favorite just like adult animated cartoons. I haven't checked out the new series, so this is actually a really good reminder to actually check that out, though. Yeah, it was worth it. It was very didn't much just, worth it. Didn't yes. Disenchantment start their final season? I don't yes. know. Have you guys? I have never actually watched any Same. of it. So I watched the first season or the first part of the first season and uh it was cool. It's cool to see like a sim like Simpsons based animated characters within like a medieval fantasy setting. Like that was really awesome. I don't know if I feel like the humor was there from what I watched of it compared oh. to like Futurama and the Simpsons, which are like comedic gold to me. Like um Disenchantment didn't make me laugh as much, but I do think there's a couple jokes in there that I thought were worthwhile. So I think it's one of those things if you watch an episode or two, you're gonna know if you want to keep going, if that makes sense. So I mean give it a try, you got nothing to lose, you know what I mean? <laughs> did you watch anything else? Um, we did, we did the Barbenheimer. We didn't yeah, do it yeah, all yeah. in one weekend or one sitting, but we, we both, we watched both movies. Um, um I talked heavily about Oppenheimer last week. Um, obviously I want your opinion, but you, of the three of us, you're the only one who's seen Barbie. Okay. I, so. I loved it. It, it was, I actually saw it twice. I saw it once with, uh, my husband and a friend, actually Erica, for those of you who have Yeah, Erica, for last, when you were last time, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, um, with my mom and my sister. So it was, it was kind of perfect. And I don't know, I truly enjoy it. I don't want to give, a, give away any spoilers, it's right. but it, it's, it's if, so If you, if you watch the internet, I have a, pretty good idea of, A, what I'm walking into when I finally get to see it, and I know a lot of the themes, and I know a lot of the social commentary already, and it's really funny, because everything I hear about the movie, mm-hmm. I got that from the trailer. Okay. Like, I literally got it from the trailer, and, like, I know what I'm, they, they gave me everything I need to know. Okay. Now, I don't want to, like, sound arrogant and say I know what I'm looking at when I, like, I, a lot of times I can see the trailer and I kind of know what I'm walking into. I get it. I can see that underlining. Like, there's okay. clearly some kind of message here. There's clearly some social commentary here. I usually mm-hmm. see that walking in. So I'm usually not surprised with that stuff. Okay. Um, 
movies that surprise me with that stuff, like Last Night at Soho is a perfect example of like, that is not what I was expecting oh, when I walked in the door. Edgar, right. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like I was, I was like, whoa, this is a completely different thing than I thought it was. Yeah. And I'm just strapped in, like oh, ready to go. That was such a you good, know? same, uh, what was that pretty young thing? That yeah. Pretty, uh, same thing. Like, yeah, didn't see that ending coming at all. Um, and actually, <laughs> I would give anybody a hundred dollars if they could tell me what they think the final line of the movie is. Oh, unfortunately, unfortunately, like, I got that spoiled. Oh, so okay, but <laughs> to be to be fair, I've had I've seen that spoiled online as well, but I That's totally forgot strange. what it is already. <laughs> the problem is, and the reason it got spoiled for me is because it was too many articles saying Greta Gerwig is trying to explain. She's basically trying to like she's defending the last line of the movie. Okay, well, I'm and like and and I keep seeing articles that are like last line of the movie explained, last this really? scene explained, and I, it's kind of like when you watch a movie. It doesn't matter, and Peter, you can attest to this too. But like you watch a movie, and I like a Marvel movie is a perfect example. You watch the Marvel movie, and you get to the end, and you watch the bonus scene of the movie, and like one, I'm a comic book reader. Two. I paid attention to the movie I watched. Mm-hmm. So when we get to the bonus scene, I'm down. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm getting into. I know what I'm getting into next. Mm-hmm. I know what they're trying to set up. I can see it. Context clues from the movie I just watched. I can see what they're trying to set up. And then I'll go online like two days later and I'll see a uh, bonus scene from whatever movie it is explained. And I'm like, are people that like, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> Specifically with the Marvel movies, there's just so many of them. Like, do uh, not everybody's got the time. Like, oh yeah, you know, no, or, I know. You know, the goal I, I know to that. just like be in the know. Or, um, but I, I, I could see that with Barbie. But at the same time, it was like, I, I feel the people who need the explanation are the ones that maybe the movie is for. Oh, that's an interesting. You know, that like is that is that is very it, interesting like because <laughs> because I know what the line is and they keep referring to it as her mic drop and I'm like, but I also know what the social commentary part of the movie is too. So it's like that's a very interesting thing, and I'm trying to speak as cryptically as possible. Yeah, and I know I that I know that our listeners are like, well, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I have no clue what you're talking about, okay. and that's the hard part because yeah. I don't want to say what it is. So. Um, glad I didn't do Oppenheimer in the same day because a lot of you know, we thought Barbie was going to be super light and, you know, I'm sure it was going to have, you know, those like mother daughter moments or, you know, sure. like what it means to be a woman, you know, something like that. And I'm sure just as any other, you know, audience member, they also would get emotional. Um, but Oppenheimer, well, Barbie was really, yeah, upsetting, but then <laughs> to also do Oppenheimer in the same day. It it would have been way too tough. And that, yes. Oh my gosh, I couldn't stop thinking. They did such a good job. You know, I don't know where you went to school, but we spent a lot of time focusing on the internment camps that were oh, sure, okay. around that mm-hmm. time. So I couldn't stop thinking about that. Oh yeah. During while all this was happening, and it was a very like America, we're number one. But in the back of my brain, it was like oh, all these other fans. things. Yeah, like yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Was one of our darker times is America, right. you know, so What's, that was very the movie. The movie is shot like a action film. Yes. Which is really interesting because it's incredibly political and it's almost all talking it's and very, there's almost yeah, no action. Mm-hmm. But 
the scenes, it's almost like you count the sequences. You can count the seconds in the scene before they switch, like an action scene. Like, there's this general rule of thumb that if you don't change within five seconds, it bores your audience. Hmm. So, like, if you watch the clips, it's boom, 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 boom. They're changing constantly. They're changing mm-hmm. angles. They're changing positions. They're changing all this stuff. And it's the idea that if you're not changing, like, like think of a scene from, like, Kevin Smith. I was like, you'll see the guys talking at the clerk's counter, and it'll be this long dialogue sequence that doesn't fly in, like, a lot of filmmaking because they think the audience is going to get bored, so they'll switch the angle. They'll, it'll be the same sequence. They'll just change the camera angle so you're yeah. technically looking at something new. Oh, I don't know. Um, and they do that a lot with action movies because they have to cover all this stuff. So to make a movie with heavy dialogue, a lot of action, they're adjusting. Yeah. I, it makes sense. You know. Makes sense. I don't know. I feel, and as you say that, the lawyer in me wants to jump in and be like, what about this scene? What about this? Like, bird right. man. What about the, what's the, the martial arts movie where he's coming down the stairs, Ong Bak? Yeah. Where it's like, just like this one, nice. long, like, you know, so. Well, like, sometimes you want the big, long, drawn out scenes. Like, think about the Daredevil, the Daredevil, uh, hallway scene. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, he, like, like, comes in from the ceiling. Well, I, does he, I don't remember if he, I'm, it's Charlie Cox Daredevil. It's like the first, it's like the second episode when he fights all the guys in the hallway, but it's one continuous take. And it's like just the hallway and it's like into the one room, into the next room, into the hall, like whatever. And it's just, it doesn't stop, but it's like all you're looking at is the hallway. Mm-hmm. But there's so much there, but that's where that action is covering, like, technically you're looking at something different every time that he's in the hallway. So. Or, um, or in recent memory, the, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 hallway fight. Like, I feel like that was all, like, one yeah. shot yeah. or, yeah. like, a few select shots. And I think when it comes down to it, I think there's just a science to the pacing of a movie and how you draw attention to certain scenes. And if it's a movie that's filled with quick, uh, stagnant shots, you know, once you get to that long, drawn, drawn out shot, it might, you know, draw more of the audience's attention and, you know, punctuate that moment as being more important to the story. And I think there's a whole science and artistry that you have to pay attention to there. So there's a lot, (laughs) there's like a ton to unpack. And I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, but Drew, I think that's really interesting how you mentioned that it's shot like an action movie. And that's something I'm definitely going to be paying attention to when I finally see it. Um, and then the last thing I actually kind of wanted to comment on is I think I'm going to do the uh, the new version of the Barbenheimer challenge where it's not watching them both in one sitting. It's watching both movies at the same time. <laughs> Let's see what you get out of it. You'll have to tell me when things line up. Like what? Absolutely. You know, like. Both well, one is definitely and... <laughs> shorter than the other. So, Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to put Barbie on repeat, I'm assuming, and then you got to sync it all to Dark Side well, of the Moon actually, as well, yeah. and uh, you'll be set. Hours, right? And I was going to say, so there Barbie are there's ends, kind of stuff like so during the credits to kind of keep you, you know, nothing kind of Well, crazy, no, I was, just, I was thinking that Barbie's mic drop is right at the time that the bomb should go off, right? Oh, that's if, and then when the, once the bomb goes off, then you're dealing with the court fallout. So even if oh, Barbie ends, you're dealing with all the court fallout, the depositions, like all that stuff leading See, into the movie. The bad thing is you know there's going to be people lining up their New Year's Eve uh, midnight moment to the uh, Oppenheimer bomb drop. <laughs> you know, this is going to go all sorts of, you know, to all sorts of messed up territory. So, yeah, I don't know how this is all going to play out. but <laughs> well, <laughs> <great stuff. laughs> well, how about 
we, <laughs> we we've gone a little long on this, so why don't we move to news? Because yeah, like I don't know if I want to watch Oppenheimer on New Year's Eve. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love doing it with Star Wars. That's have you ever done that? Um, no, not in like the Death Star exploding yeah. right at no. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, it's awesome though. if you if you time it all right, it's amazing. Um, the last time I did it, I was off by like two seconds, but you oh, know what? Dang. I was so close, but it was Honestly, awesome. Honestly, <laughs> the last couple of years, we're lucky if we make it to midnight. But there's a, there's a weird, when you do it, it, there's a weird level of intensity. Like that scene where they're like, the Death Star battle is so intense because you know that the Death Star's got to blow up at midnight, so you're watching the clock, you're watching the oh, TV, you're like, watching is the clock. Is it going to work? Is it going to work? And it's just making it, it's making it more and more intense. It's so much more intense. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> let's, um, let's cover some news, uh, shall we? Um, let's cover the sad one real fast, unfortunately. Um, we don't, cover the deaths very often. I don't, but this was a big one. It was kind of hard to um, not discuss, but Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, has passed away. Um, I did not realize that it was, it was from cancer, but I didn't even realize he was battling it. So I was he like, wait, of, what? He kept I, it hidden. It was kind of like uh, Norm MacDonald. Like, he yeah. didn't really tell anybody. So, yeah, it was kind of... From what I heard, like, I'm talking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I hear you. And that's the thing. Like, I didn't, I didn't realize it, and I was like, oh, that... That's yeah, just horrible, and I just remember, I remember my parents not being thrilled that I was watching Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, really? But <laughs> that was one of my favorite shows to, like, get up and watch in the oh, morning kind of thing. Like, I loved Pee-wee's Playhouse. It was awesome. I have such fond childhood <laughs> memories of watching that. But I know my parents. I, I know that they found it, and I know they're listening. So, yeah, Mom, Dad, I, I know you didn't like it, but um, it was a lot of fun, and I know you found it obnoxious, but hey. Peter, you were... Were you around for the Pee Wee's Playhouse stuff? Or were you not born yet? Or were you too oh. young to remember that? <laughs> a little bit. Like, I was aware of it, oh, but I was six yeah. years apart. Oh, okay. So okay. that's that's why I, I wonder, it. like, yeah. there's certain things that, like, he got into. Like, he was the Power Rangers kid. But I was at a certain point in my life where I watched a little bit of Power Rangers with him and my oh, brothers. Man. But I was also at a different stage in my life, so I didn't see okay. as much as he saw. So, yeah, but, we're probably, Pete, Pete and I are closer in age than... Oh, okay. Than, the two of us. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. And, um, no, I was, I was going to say like, uh, I was aware of it and I definitely had friends who watched a lot of Pee Wee Herman. I actually didn't really get too much into it back in the day, but I definitely appreciate, uh, Paul, Paul Rubens a lot as an actor. Like, um, for me, it actually goes back to, uh, some of like his superhero stuff. I, or oddly enough, like, uh, he was in Mystery Men as the Spleen, <laughs> if you remember that. And then, um, I was actually looking Batman's at that, too. Oh, yeah, no. What's Batman, that? He's Batman. Penguin's dad in Batman Returns. Oh, right. And I actually saw that earlier oh, today because I was looking at his IMDb. He reprised his role on the TV show Gotham. Okay, okay. But he originally played Danny DeVito's Penguin's dad in the Batman Returns movie. And that's what I was wondering about, because does it actually show his face in the movie? Like, because when I think of the beginning of Batman Returns, I feel like you just see, like, maybe his hands, like, pick up the the baby carriage or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, you definitely see his face, because him and his wife are deciding, like, eventually, like... That they're going to die. They basically ditch the baby. Yeah. Have you not seen All that? Right. I have, but I guess it's been a really long time. Yeah, it's time. like you have the you have the baby Obviously they keep in the, in the cage baby. that's deformed. They keep it in the cage and it eats the cat. And they're like, "What are we going to do with this?" And they go to ditch it in the sewer. And yeah, you gotta, I want to say he had a he had a mustache or something, right? What? 
Did he have a mustache in Batman yeah, Returns? He had a mustache. He had like a graying, like comb over haircut. He was smoking right. long, yeah, the long stick cigarette that Penguin is known to carry. Um, you gotta remember, Batman hey. Returns' subplot was killing children. Oh my goodness. A lot of people forget that. Yeah. That's the whole plot of the <laughs> movie was killing children. That was a kid. <laughs> there was a and, um, to that. and the penguin running for mayor. But, uh, no, it's actually like, I'm glad you gave a little further details on that, Drew, because I definitely don't think he was super recognizable in that role, but it's actually awesome that he was in there. Um, yeah. I actually saw that he also played, uh, the voice of Locke in Nightmare Before Christmas, and I didn't real, I didn't realize that either, but that's oh, pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, and I didn't. I don't think I realized that either. But you know, he's friends with Burton, so you know. But no, just rest in peace. And do you have any like? Um, I, I'm more familiar with Pee Wee's Big Adventure than I oh, feel like I okay. am anything else. Um, but I've I I've actually been Pee Wee a few years for Halloween. Uh, that's a, a favorite copy. Yeah, I saw some pictures. Nice. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> it's a good one. No, yeah, same same thing. I've only heard kind things, and like that's, you know, you never want to go to somebody's funeral where nobody's there, you know. And it it seemed like everybody showed up from like the woodworks. Even like Deborah Ann Wool was like another per- person who was yeah. like, he sent me all a bunch of gifts on my birthday and stuff, and like it was so touching to hear those types of stories come yeah. up afterwards. Yeah. So, and then, yeah. you know who else came out of uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse? Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> right. <laughs> I forget about that a lot, too. So yep. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Lawrence Fishburne was, he was like, but he was the cowboy on Pee-wee's Playhouse. Huh. Yeah, you're going to yeah, go back I'm, and YouTube, look that up now. Yeah, like, hold on a second. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a case of one where, um, he did a lot of voice acting work. He did a lot of stuff that was kind of like off screen like that. And he has those couple, like just really big roles that he's known for and celebrated for. But he was, at least for me, he was never the actor that I thought of all the time, but he was always there. And I don't want to say I took him for granted, but I just always like trusted he would be there. And like, I liked him as a personality. Like he seemed like such a cool, just quirky actor as well as like kind of a, ambassador to some you know some weird like fringe movies and you know nerdy stuff and uh it's one of those things where he he wasn't super old either so when you hear about this news it just it hits you really hard because it was so unexpected and you just realize like how much you appreciated his previous work and so like he'll definitely be missed like rest in peace like it's hard to know what to say but it's just it's so sad to hear you know what i mean yeah, but you know, yeah, big bucket of win, but at the same time, you know, this stuff happens. And did you guys watch Euphoria? He did. Yeah. I did not get okay. a chance. So that's due to the certain oh. content in that show has caused me to not watch that show sure. because I have a child in the house. Makes so. sense. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it I, is- I know where you're going with this, though. The, uh, <laughs> the actor who played uh, Fezco in Euphoria yeah. passed away too. Yeah, um, loud. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know much about his personality or many other things that he was in, but I thought his performance in that show was really great, and he was one of my favorite characters. So same, yeah. Like uh, everybody's got their dark side, but that was a character I was truly rooting for throughout uh, throughout the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, let's, well, I was going to say there is, and let's talk about, this is, all right, so let's talk about the strike real quick, because this is getting, 
this is it's getting longer. Um, it's getting there seems to be some interesting mudslinging. Like Stephen Amell had some comments that he had to go back onto social media and clarify. He just his whole thing is I think it's like I don't he doesn't see a point in the picketing part of a strike. It's weird. He's like it's it's dumb. I'm like I'm just like it's when you read his statements, it sounds like he's saying I don't stand with the actors, but he's like no 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 I am. Let me clarify this. And it's the way he said it. You're like oh I see what he's saying. And it's just like. I don't see a point in standing out there picketing. Like, look, I'm not going to work because I, so I support them and everything, but I'm not going to be out there. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to read his statements. Um, but this, the strike has changed a lot of things in terms of the landscape. For example, the Emmys are officially postponed. Yeah, that was like right. definitely, definitely, um, due to ongoing actors and writer strikes. A new date has yet to be announced. The process of picketing the, Picking the winners will remain the same for better or for worse. Um, I, I'm not surprised that that's getting pushed. I just wonder what that does to the slate of the next Emmys when they can do it. Right. You know what I mean? Like what? Like for example, like Last of Us. Think about like the amount that Last of Us ripped in. Right? Is Last of Us going to be up against some other stuff to where Last of Us is not going to get credit well, that they deserve? I and I mean. But it's I also a award show, so you it would really... make your you'd choose your winners and you'd do the party whenever. Sure. Like the, you know, sure, like, sure. so whenever, yeah. and then you'd still keep schedule. You just wouldn't do the big televised event. Yeah. On the day and the last year's winner was exactly, <laughs> right. right exactly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> they do like a dual back to back. Yeah. <laughs> Friday. Saturday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, That's awesome. I guess would be so. Craven the Hunter has been delayed. Um, from October 6th this year. So if it's really, if it was supposed to release on October 6th, I believe that means the movie's done. Right. Like, like we're okay. so close. We're like literally like a month and a half yeah. out. The movie should be done if it's releasing October 6th, right? They're pushing it to August 30th of 24. I wonder if. Due to, stri- they're saying it's due to the strikes. Um, and the other one that's getting pushed is Spider-Verse, uh, Beyond oh, the Spider-Verse. Hurt, yeah. That one's getting pushed as well. Yeah. And that one probably is so early on pre-production stuff that they're not... True. They don't have a completed movie they're pushing. This is... With a movie like Craven, do you feel like the movie's basically done, but they're worried about, um, uh, like, promotional potential with it? Like, if all the actors are on strike, it's kind of hard to have... Aaron Taylor Johnson making late night appearances and stuff to promote the movie. Do you think it's like something like that? Well, well, but then why push it out like an entire? Why push it out an entire year? Almost? Well, how about this? I was watching a clip from a previous Mission Impossible movie um, on YouTube because they've been releasing some of the making of stuff for the most recent Mission Impossible movie, right? So it's drummed up some of these older videos. A couple of the things for. Tom Cruise have released is like footage from him being on Fallon from like years ago for other movies he's released. But because yeah. writer strike, we don't have Fallon or Colbert or like these other, they're not on the air right now because of the writer strike. So in terms of like TV appearances, there's no TV appearances to go to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, isn't that interesting? So like I've, I realized that there's a lot of movie like, where was the Jimmy Fallon Oppenheimer review uh, 
episode. Gosh. Why wasn't why like the Barbenheimer would have been a talk show topic, and they would have had Killian Murphy and Margot Robbie on the couch at the same time, and they'd be laughing about it, telling jokes, like because everyone was fun and games on that matter. You know what I mean? They would have had Greta, Greta Gerwig and you know Christopher Nolan on back to back guests. You know, like it would have happened. Yeah. Um, but we didn't. We're not getting that right now. So I don't know, Peter, if the talk show thing is the is what we're missing out on. I don't. I really don't know. It's just interesting because I was. It's, all, it's it's just weird to me when you have a movie that, for all we know, is completed and ready to go. Like, why are they pushing it back? So I'm trying to find a reason to justify that because to me, we're kind of approaching a void of no big name Hollywood entertainment coming out. So you feel like they'd want yeah. something to fill that void. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they did not test well and they need to do reshoots and you can't really do I mean, reshoots without not true. like writers that, and stuff. That could know? be. And I'll tell you, I've talked on the show about how Craven's not my favorite Spider-Man villain, but that trailer had me pumped to see that movie. Like I was like, this looks cool. I'm in, mm-hmm. you know? So I guess, uh, I guess I'll have to wait till, I guess yeah. I have to wait a year from now <laughs> to see the movie. Um, Disney, this seems like the biggest slap in the face in the face. uh, This is the biggest slap in the face to everyone who's striking right now, and I don't know how to think about it. Um, This is coming from a source that I have found to be, like, 50-50 with the things they report. Oh, not very credible. Like, credible in the sense that you're like, like, rumor states, and then you'll see that it happened. Mm. Rumor states, and you'll see that it happened. Rumor states... They were so off the mark, uh, okay, you know what I mean? Okay. Or they'll be like, James Gunn says, and then James Gunn's out there going, I didn't I say didn't. that. You know <laughs> okay. what I mean? So it's been interesting to kind of – so this comes from comic book resources specifically, if I you want to know exactly. the source. No, I know exactly. And I'm calling them out because sometimes they're right, and then sometimes they're like – But anyway, Disney Company is reportedly looking to create several AI-focused company roles, which would come with massive six-figure salaries. Right. Now, I read into this a little bit more, and but ultimately it's it's the article comes down to exactly what the headline reads, is they're trying to create all these companies to do all this AI stuff for their films and their television shows and whatever the case sure. may be. And that is the sole, like backbone of everything they're fighting against exactly, is yes, the AI exactly, nonsense. Exactly, yes. Like, you're going to take 20 artists or whatever, right. and you're going to eliminate 18 of them to make right. up with AI, and then you're going to get these two people, six-figure... You're just giving the... Uh, yeah, I know. No, I know. I, I'm I, with you. That, yeah. oh, now, you. years ago, I'm talking... Uh, I'm talking Star Wars Rogue One years ago, Okay. It was probably about two years before Rogue One came out, and there was a big rumor that Tarkin was going to be in the movie. Peter Cushing's character was going to be in the movie. And the big question was, well, he died in 78 when Star Wars released, so he's not alive to reprise his role. How are they going to put Tarkin in the movie? We're like, well, they'll probably do the CG, all that nonsense. Right? So what they did was, if you go and you actually watch how they made the movie, they hired a guy who could, who was roughly the same build as Tarkin, same facial structure, and then they CG'd the face. Oh, yeah, like they did with uh, Luke for sure. Um, right. So they went right? to yeah. Peter Cushing's mm-hmm. estate and said, we want okay. to do this. And in my opinion, in all of the de-aging, in all of the, hey, we're going to put an actor stand in and kind of do a different face on like Luke or whatever, in my opinion, Tarkin looks better than every single one of them. It's insane how close they got it. 
And Tarkin was not a one scene and done like I thought he was going to be. No, he was a supporting role in that movie. Mm-hmm. Turns out that after the success of the, the raving about how Tarkin looked, Lucasfilm started securing likeness rights for dead celebrities, Elvis, Marilyn Monroe, some big name people in the event that they'd have to do work on a biopic. Yikes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hey, we might have to do special effects work on a biopic, or we might have to have this character in the background because someone's doing this whatever, like, hey, someone's shooting a movie that takes place at this time period, well, we need to put Marilyn Monroe at a coffee shop in the background. Do you know what I mean? Like, so they were securing likeness rights for all these things. So it's almost like this story is reinforcements mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. The first Black Mirror episode? Uh, not the current. Oh, okay. Is, okay. Very much touched oh, okay. on this. All right. Uh, cool. Similar, similar subject. Thoughts on this, Peter? <sighs> I don't even know where to begin. Um, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the AI stuff that's going on. Um, part of me, like a big thing I keep thinking of in this case is like, when you're Disney and you're this huge company and you have all the money in the world and you're already putting out like some of the biggest movies of anyone, it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't want to say like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But to me, like when it comes to AI, like I feel like that's something where it's like somebody who's smaller, who doesn't have those resources could use AI to be able to like compete with the bigger companies but when it's like this huge company, all you're doing is you're kind of like what uh, Audrey was saying, like you're taking away jobs from actual artists. You're um, kind of diminishing your final product. And uh, it's it's just kind of frustrating. It's I we've been talking bits and bits about this AI stuff for a couple months now, Drew. And every time I feel like I'm at a loss for words, but a lot of it doesn't sit right with me and even though like there's so many logical arguments you can make either way like at the end of the day it really doesn't sit right with me and I think it's just because like me personally I'm somebody who's like really into handcrafted stuff I'm really into actual artists and artwork and the personalities behind the movies music art etc that I love and a lot of that just gets lost with AI so I'm a little bit at a loss for words for this one, but that's kind of my vague reaction right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, completely, completely. And, and James Cameron warned all of us in 1994, <laughs> and nobody listened. Yeah. I listened. Nobody else did. Um, yeah. All right, well, speaking of Disney, and I don't know how this works with the strike, but apparently Donald Glover, now we talked about how oh, yes. the Lando series is apparently, like, dead in the water and it's not moving forward. Well... Well, it's record moving scratch. forward, but no one really knows what's going on with it. So, yeah, record scratch. Best, yeah, that's a good way of wording. <laughs> Donald Glover, Donald Glover will co-write Lando's Disney Plus series with his brother. Which All right, I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm cool, like, yeah, and Lando's a fantastic I, I, show. He's a great writer. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I having him play Lando is brilliant, but. What scares me, and this is the thing with some of the newer writers, and this makes me really, like, I was all for Abrams directing Star Wars when they first announced that for, like, Episode 7. But in hindsight, I really don't know if Abrams was the best choice to direct Star Wars. Hmm. 
I really, really don't, and I have problems, and I have issues, and it's making me reevaluate some of Abrams' films that I've liked over the years, and I'm like, is he the good director I thought he was, or is he just a better producer? And you just, you just be a producer guy. You be the idea guy, and like, you know what I mean? It's really weird, and I'm like, I'm really at a like weird crossroads with my Abrams thought, but I don't want because I feel heavily that um, Star Wars coming from George Lucas was one guy saying, I'm right, you're wrong, this is how it's going to go, and he made the story he wanted to make, and we got the movies we all love, know, and grew up with, and then the new movies with George Lucas out of the way was, well, it's what you saw, it's Star Wars by focus group, Star Wars by committee, Star Wars checking boxes, we have to make it inclusive, mm-hmm. all this nonsense, and it lost what Star Wars is. So, I don't know. I just, I wonder, so, I hope that, so my point is, I hope Donald Glover is more of the, on my side of the coin going, don't lose what Star Wars is, and the, do you know it well enough to sure. go talk to Dave Filoni, okay. have him a powwow before you start writing, you know, like. Maybe, I don't know, I, I don't know about you guys, but like, I grew up, I read a lot of fan fiction kind of growing up, so. Sure. As long as those characters are there and the setting is, you know, like, yeah, I yeah, really, yeah, yeah. like, liberties are, that's, you know, that's on you. And a good story is a good story. Yeah. So, I'm, I Yeah, know. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Drew, you said a lot in that statement, yeah. and there's so many things I want to comment on, but I feel like for the sake of time I should just say I agree with all of that um and I know like we could probably get more into the uh issues with like JJ Abrams and George Lucas and stuff we've got a lifetime to keep talking about that stuff so for time's sake I am going to say I totally agree That's with everything you said right there <laughs> but re- regarding uh Donald Glover I feel like I do like him so much as a person. I do feel like the stuff that he's written that I've been exposed to, I've enjoyed. And uh, I feel like the thing is, his one appearance in Star Wars was in, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was in Solo. And that movie was great. Like, everybody I know who's, like, a true Star Wars fan really enjoyed Solo. And I feel like the idea of him as um, as Lando making more appearances, like who's not on board with that? You know, it just sounds, it sounds promising. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to suspend any doubt that any doubts that I have. Cause I just think, you know, this is a promising thing that might happen. You know what I mean? Yes. And I'm with you a hundred percent on that. And I, I look, I like Donald Glover. I like him as a writer. I like him as an actor. Yeah. He's a great choice as Lando. So just don't lose what Star Wars is. And that's all that I ask. You know, it's, I think, with the fans rallying behind him so much after uh, Miles Morales, like before, right. you know, that had come out, I feel like he's really going to do it justice. Right. So uh, it's like this. I want And, and he, he is a nerd. Like, he is really into yeah. this stuff, too. So it's, but it's, keep going, Drew. He no, also like, had a movie that came out in 2009. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the... Uh, I walk into Indiana Jones, uh, Dial of Destiny, expecting an Indiana Jones film. I got an Indiana Jones film. I want to walk into every Star Wars project expecting Star Wars. And that's, you know, I expect Star Wars. I want that's I want that to be what I get, you know. And not that I haven't gotten Star Wars, but Andor is a perfect example of expecting one thing and getting something completely different. And not that Andor was bad, 
I don't necessarily think it was bad. It is not paced the way Star Wars is paced. You could have put any title in front of that, and it wouldn't have changed the show. And that was my problem with Andor. And Audrey's making faces at me I'm right now. A couple so faces. you might, you and it I might have so, to discuss uh, off air. I do. Uh, I yeah, I like to see because uh, obviously there are like, different vantage points. Yeah, you know, so yeah. obviously there's like the the big war that's going on, but like this is so much about the little people. Yeah, and, and I I, I love I totally of the, saw that the rebellion. I totally saw that, but it took three episodes to see a Tie Fighter. And I'm like, even in the little people thing, I was like, where's Star Wars in the Star Wars? They also spent three episodes, spoiler, seriously, tangent cast, if you will. They spent three episodes in a prison. And I was like, where's the, but I was, but I was also like, where's the Star Wars in this? That was driving me nuts through some of it. I was like, what is happening at all? Does that, like, you're in a prison and there's no stormtroopers? Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? There was like, there was some aspects and I'm like, you could have put like two stormtroopers as a guard there and I'd probably keep me quiet. Or you could probably, you know what I mean? There were little things that I was like, but the show is great. It just, it wasn't paced the way I was expecting it to be paced. It wasn't the espionage that I thought okay. it was going to be. And I started treating it more like James Bond to Star Wars. I like Prometheus. Sure, so but I loved Prometheus. That it was part of the but franchise I, until, but that was the reveal. Like, they didn't no. advertise it like an alien film. They didn't oh, tell you that. Yes. Sure, yes. The, it, I know. But. Peter, I can hear Peter laughing. You're, it's literally like, I knew, but that's the thing. Like, I'm such an alien fan that okay. watching the trailer, I knew. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So, so for yeah. those of us, <laughs> oh, that other right. category. Um, all right, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Tangents, right? <laughs> Okay, so this one comes from comicbook.com, so not comic book resources. And not saying one is better than the other, but they had an interview directly with Gal Gadot, who, now, James Gunn has said, if it doesn't come from him, it's not true, right? Peter, are you with me on that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Gal Gadot specifically said in an interview, I am developing Wonder Woman 3 with James Gunn. I'm here for it. So I'm James Gunn has not why. debunked this yet. Hmm. So it probably was, yeah, you can tell him, you can say it, you can, you know what okay. I mean? Like you can say it. Cause they're, cause they're in their, in the article, they're like, we heard it directly from her. Yeah. You know? And so that's awesome. I feel like that also was part of his statement where he was like, if you don't hear it from me or like right. the, the other right. half of. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that, Peter? I'm just, I'm just happy they're doing that. <laughs> Or is there like a weird conspiracy on uh, Gal Gadot's part where she is putting this out there saying, yes, like, yes, of course, we're developing Wonder Woman three. And she is just strong arming it into existence. (laughs) (laughs) It was this this announcement was just as big a surprise to James Gunn. No, I'm totally joking. I think it's probably true. Um, I'm a. I do understand how everybody online has kind of reacted to this with vitriol to an extent because they are going like, okay, so Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill are not good enough for James Gunn's uh, DC universe, but Gal Gal Gadot is. And they're saying like, why are you picking and choosing stuff from the DC EU? And I am kind of on board with that. But then part of me wonders, is this a thing where Warner Brothers is telling uh, James Gunn like, no, you have to include Gal Gadot in this new universe you're developing because her movies were successful. We want her to stay. It's okay if you cast the other people. And it makes me wonder if James Gunn isn't 
totally behind all these decisions that are being made. I'm not quite sure what to make of all this, and I'm not saying what I'm my theory there is true, but it is something that I'm thinking about. Like maybe there's more going on behind the scenes than a lot of other people are realizing as they're observing this whole situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I truly felt she was kind of when Zack Snyder's cut had come out of um, Justice Justice League, that whole bank robbing scene, I felt did her so like so much better. It did her justice as opposed to the weeding. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm here for it and I really enjoyed the, the second one. Um, it, uh, yeah, I'm 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 excited. That'll be that'll be fun. Even if she's just I'm, pulled over just to kind of be the bridge to make the transition into. I'm that just glad they could not have casted her. They could not have casted that role better. I'm sorry. Agreed. They just they could not have. And I'm just glad she's right away. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing James Gunn did say, which has me really excited. This is like awesome. He said. In the original video announcement of the, hey, this is the new DC slate, here we go, Superman, Batman, Brave and the Bull, and he was, like, listing out all the stuff that he was going to do, he said that he wanted the comics, the movies, the animated stuff to all coincide together. If you miss one, it's okay, because you're going to be able to get caught up when you watch the next one, or however you consume it, it's your thing, we want the video games to be part of it, we want this to be a cohesive yeah. And what's cool about that is, um, he had said in an interview he was using Star Wars as his inspiration. If I'm watching, I watch the prequel trilogy, and eventually I gotta watch the animated Clone Wars show, and then I gotta go back to a live action movie, then I gotta watch an animated show, and then I go back to a live action movie. And stuff. Yeah. But the actors play the characters back and forth properly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, aside from Clone Wars, the actors play themselves. So, like, you know, Samuel Jackson voiced Mace Windu for a large chunk of the Clone Wars. You know what I mean? So, like, they're they're trying to be cons- uh, consist- consistent. You have um, uh, Katie Sackhoff plays Bo-Katan in the Clone Wars, but now she's playing Bo-Katan live action. That's, mm-hmm. that's, his, that's what James Gunn's trying to okay, do. Okay, makes sense. So he said that all animated films that are considered part of his canon will get theatrical releases. Ooh, nice. Awesome. That'll be fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. That's fantastic. And I just think that's amazing because it's like, sweet, time to go see, yeah. you know, the next DC film. And, you know, those won't make nearly as the box office as some of the big ones, and some people might not get it. But then there's going to be these story beats mm-hmm. that are going to be huge development-wise. So mm. I thought that was great. Um, speaking of Zack Snyder. Yes. Sucker Punch. The yes. director's Yes, you're with me. Yeah. Peter, did you Definitely. hear about this? No, that's no. awesome though. All right, Zack Snyder <laughs> pushing for yeah, the director's cut to come out. Oh, of the Sucker movie. Punch! Yeah. I loved Sucker Same. Punch. Yeah, I had so good. much fun watching that movie. Um, I love girls and samurai swords and just like <laughs> it, uh, yeah. That, it was Peter, you fun. like Sucker Punch, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I know that. I feel like I heard about there was like a deluxe version of the movie that came out when uh, Sucker Punch was released on video, and I feel like I heard that there was like a deluxe version with a deleted scene, but knowing Zack Snyder, like there might actually be a full on director's cut, which 
would be pretty great to uh yeah to check out when it comes out but no this is awesome i somehow totally missed the story <laughs> well i it, basically he's he said in an interview i haven't i never i always wanted to do it someday i'll get around to it but i'm like well get around to it because yeah, right. i want to see <laughs> i want to see more baby doll like slicing people off and you know it'd be, it'd be awesome absolutely uh, all right, so Scream 7 has landed a director. I don't know how this all works in a huh. strike pattern, but Scream 7 has landed a director, and I'm very happy. It's going to be Christopher Landon, who directed Freaky and Happy Death Day. <laughs> Both. Um, it very much enjoyed. Both Freaky was were with, so uh, good. Vince, Vince uh, Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, yeah. Freaky Friday with yeah. Vince Vaughn. And then... The, yeah, Freaky Friday with Vince Vaughn. Peter, you saw That's Freaky, exactly right? exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was super right. fun. <laughs> yeah, it really and was. like, hot chick... But yeah, like a horror version. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> the hot chick. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. And then, uh, uh, Happy Death Day. I just adored that, Happy it, Death Day. It was so the much sequel fun. Even was just as fun. The sequel was such as fun. The sequel. Peter, did you watch those? Yeah, yeah, those were great okay. too. <laughs> and I just loved how that second one picked up right where the first one left off, and it carried the story. And that actress who plays Tess, Tris, Tess, whatever. Tris? Mm-hmm. Tris. Um, I'm drawing a blank on her name. I just know her character name. I wish I would see her elsewhere. Okay. Like, I really, like, I'm like, I was watching the first one, and I'm like, she's, like, a really good actress. Why is she not in more stuff? And, like, I ended up Googling her and all that stuff. I'm like, why are you not in more stuff? Like, <laughs> you're fantastic. You need to write a uh, well, it goes, it goes back yeah. to something I've said a number of times on our show is, like, I feel like Hollywood has like this pool of 50 actors that they pick from for every single movie. And there's a lot of these newer or current actors that are really good that I like to see. But after a while, it's like, do we really need to see these same people? And it's like, this is a perfect example. Like the girl from Happy Death Day, like, why not cast her as Sue Storm? You know, that could be amazing. You know, that's somebody who's not in a ton of other stuff. You know what I mean? So. Peter. Peter. Hey, scoot a little closer to the mic for me. Um, girl from Happy Death Day should be Sue Storm. Okay. Um, they are. They're always listening. Um, the All right. One final story, and then we have to move on to the list because we're talking long. Uh, this is my favorite story of the night. You... You, we, uh, Peter, you and I joke always about the streaming wars. You are like, you saw my phone when I picked it up, so you know exactly where I'm going. I wrote two news things down, and Zack okay. Snyder was one, and this is the other. And then, Peter, you, you and I joke about the streaming wars, and it's about to get bigger. We're getting a new streaming platform called NASA Plus. Have any guesses what this is about? <laughs> uh, live streams from space. Live streams from space. Is that what it is? Or launches. You know, or even, I would even like to see the day-to-day, like, give me an interview with one of the engineers that's Uh, just, like, working on the next project. Live coverage of missions, space stuff. Um, Yeah, original video series. Yeah, I I love it. Uh, The best part about this. Cosmos on repeat. Yeah, it, (laughs) it will be free. Yeah, that was my favorite part of it. So it's going to be available everywhere. It will be free. I just thought that was awesome. I'm like, yes, this is great. Mm-hmm. So There's going to uh, be so many amazing gifts that come out of this. Yes, the truth <laughs> I mean, is out there. Um, no, but, but no, that, that sounds awesome. I didn't know about this either, but uh, no, that's just really cool. Like, it's that's a really cool thing. And it's one of those 
it's one of those things you hear about and it's just like, why haven't we been doing this all along? You know what I mean? Or well, as soon as we had the technology to do so, you know, my first glance of this is who's going to pay for that and why are we doing it? And then I actually read deeper and went, Oh, this sounds amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, first glance, I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, all right. Are you guys ready to talk about the list? Let's do it. Yeah, let's go for it. Peter, list, Audrey. Okay, cool. Uh, let's roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right, Peter. Hey, this was my pick this week. Um, yeah. And we haven't done a year in a while, and I thought to myself, let's do uh, another year. So we're doing 2009. So movies from 2009. This um, this was a monster year. So much stuff came out, like Open Season 2 and a remake of Friday the 13th and Duplicity and... Um, Antichrist. Yeah. Jennifer's Body. Yeah. I mean, there were some massive blockbusters. So many. Um, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, right? I think that was up this year. It's on this list. Land of the Lost was on this. Like, there's... History Team, I mentioned it earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, the best picture this year was The Hurt Locker. Hmm. Um, And then, I don't know if you guys do counts, and Audrey, I don't know how many of these shows that you've listened to of of the show where we do a year. Oh, I... I, but I always do a count. Um, mm-hmm. So I saw of the movies in 2009, I saw 85. Okay, um, I didn't do a count, but my my long list before I started making my shorter lists was 26. But I have seen so many more. Like I, every right. every other movie, I was sure. like, oh yeah, that that one lined up with this milestone in my life. This one lined, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Peter, uh, what about you? Did you count? Yeah. This out? I felt like I was writing down so many movies when I was putting my list together. Um, I believe I've seen 65 this year. That's of like the wide release films. So it wasn't as long as I, it seemed like, but this is a monster year. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot of cool stuff that came out. This also was the year. This also was uh, Avatar year, uh, Paul Blart mall cop year. (laughs) Um, But uh, this was also the year my son was born. So I'm surprised that my, my, Wing is smaller. You know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised I got 85 in. You know, when I was like, "Wow, I watched 85 <laughs> movies that year." All right. Um, I don't know. When you have a newborn, that's the best time to sit there and binge through. Movies I actually watch shows. You know, <laughs> I actually, in, in the newborn phase when he couldn't do anything and it's just like sleep and eat. And yeah, you're like, what am I going to watch now? Because I can't leave the kid unattended. I watched the entirety, like all 17 seasons of Stargate with all the movies. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so, there you go. And then I got through all that, and then I watched all of Smallville, and then by the time I got through all of that, he was starting to move around the house, and I had to, like, change the <laughs> <laughs> focus became different. Um, so, uh, let's see. Who wants to go first? I have two honorable mentions, but we have a guest, so it's not often um, we... Uh... I also have two honorable Peter, mentions. Peter, how many honorable mentions do you have? I have two as well. It all was, right. It was hard not to... I know. There were, it was, this one was tough. All right, well, Audrey, you're the guest, so I'm going to make you go first. (laughs) Uh, My first honorable mention was frequently asked questions about time travel. Have either of you seen this one? I actually have not. I have not seen this one either. So fun. Um, The (laughs) actor uh, that plays the cop from Bridesmaids. 
Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, right, right. Okay. Uh, it's, it's so fun. But honestly, it's kind of like if you ever saw um, Safety Not Guaranteed, it's kind of like if that were to play out. Oh, Aubrey Plaza and uh, Jake Johnson and that. It, You're listing off all these I cast know. members, but I'm like, this is fan. <laughs> this sounds amazing. Um, but frequently asked questions about time travel. It's um, re- a lot of fun. It was a, it was a good one. A little bit of romance, a little bit of action, very much comedy. A uh, good time. All right. Well, everything you just said sounds fantastic, so I'm <laughs> putting that on my list. Peter, what's your uh, first well, album? Yeah, I was going to say that, that sounds awesome, so I'm putting it on my list as well. And uh, I think I'm learning that uh, Audrey comes in with some deep cuts, so that's uh, that's a lot of fun, too. But <laughs> uh, moving into my first pick, I actually went with the movie I Love You, Man, uh, the Paul Rudd, Jason Segel film. And uh, this is a movie that I've talked about on the podcast before, but it's one of those things that I just really rewatched this movie so much that I had to put it on my list because – the biggest reason is Paul Rudd's character is so hilarious in that movie because we've all been at that place where we want to be friends with somebody and we're trying to play everything cool, but we're really not cool. So we're just kind of making a fool of ourselves. And uh, the way that Paul Rudd plays that character's character just cracks me up so much, like some of his mannerisms, <laughs> sayings and all that. Um, but also it's just like a charming comedy. It's got a great cast. Um, I love all the uh, sort of like rush tidbits in the movie as well and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, <laughs> no, we, we matched. Um, oh, did you? Yeah. As an honorable mention? No, um, this is one no. of my one of my rings. Oh, oh, see, uh, so you're playing differently than Peter oh, and I play. Dang. So a lot of times, if we match, I know, I know, match. I know the rules. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. So normally, what Peter and I do is if we match on something on a ranked list like this, we oh, keep it quiet until it pops up. Nice. So it's all good. Okay. How about this? We know we we know we we've got the little spoiler alert, got but we just it. don't know where it falls. Done. So fair enough. I'll um, keep that card. No, it's all good. You, by all means, talk about I Love You, Man, now. Just that's I, I should have uh, played the rules. And if no. this is your first time listening, when we do a year, it's a ranked list because a lot of times it's just we want to talk about it in certain orders, but there's no, like, opinion on that. It's just, hey, these are the ones I like. This is a ranking. So. I'll, I'll, this, I'll save it. I'll save it for, yeah, it's all good. you know, towards the end. What were you going to say, um, this is a good reminder, too, because uh, I forgot to rank mine, so I had to do that really quick. Oh, just now. All, all of a sudden, Peter's changing his stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, this movie, um, because of I Love You, Man, is why my son and I spent a weekend walking around the house saying slap in the bass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you have to do it in all the different... You have to do it. And we kept doing it over and over and over again. It became very annoying. You have to make eye contact with whoever you're doing it And it became very annoying to other people around us. But him and I, just for a full weekend, it was not... That's always... It's like everything out of our mouth was just slapping the bass. Oh, man. I don't think it made either of yours list, but it's also very much like a line from Couples Retreat, which also came out in this year. Which line? Um, I love couples retrieval. Uh, when he's like kind of psyching himself up um, to have oh biblical relations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like talking about his dick. Yeah. Like no, dick. that was that's Wanderlust. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, couples retreat is oh okay. That's dang. Wanderlust. I know what you're talking about. Um, both movies, movies have Molly Ackerman. Okay. But yes. yes. Yeah. 
Peter, have you seen either one of those? I've seen both of them. It's been a while, but uh, no, memory holding movies like this and mixing them up and stuff. This is how Mandela effects are created. So we got to be careful, guys. True. We do. True. We do. And that's, that's how we're going to rub it in one of those other, uh, we're going to bump those vibrational patterns on the pocket dimension. Um all right, so I love you, man. I love this movie, and I'm with you. Slap in the bass. That's this. That's so good. Um, my first honorable mention is J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Nice, um, good call. It's, it's a fantastic movie. It was done so well. It was casted like perfectly. Um, it is, and yes, it's the J.J. Abrams joke lens flare movie for sure. Like if you took a drink every time there was a lens flare, you'd be drunk by the first like within the first like two minutes of the movie. But um, the movie is really, really good. It's just well put together. Um, I don't know if either of you have anything to say about it, but... Uh, as somebody who's never consumed any of Star Trek, I truly enjoyed that film. And it, it okay. I, I didn't do it, but I, it made me want to watch all, all right. of the Yeah. Hold, hold no. on. Hang on a second. Real quick, Peter. Your husband watches Star Trek. How do you not yes, consume Star Trek? <laughs> also... Um, he watches all of the Paramount Plus shows now, but for, in order for me to catch up, there isn't enough time. There isn't enough time, okay. you know. So, right. and and it's also, I I very much appreciate all of it. It's just not. I I'd it's rather all good. I'd rather choose. Yeah, it's all good. I was like, how do you, like, for someone who doesn't it. consume it, I'm like, how do you avoid it? Like, well, not actively. That's yeah, awesome. I, just, I, just, I got you. What were you going to say, Peter, about Star Trek? Oh, no, I, I just, I agree with what Audrey said about, I, I grew up watching Star Trek. Like, I do like it, but it never was, like, my favorite thing. And a lot of the reasons I watched Star Trek growing up, Drew, was kind of because of people like you and our cousins and stuff who were really into it. So I've been exposed to it, but I never was the biggest Star Trek fan. But I think J.J. Abrams did a really good job crafting these movies to just make it action-packed, exciting, uh, interesting, and just really cool. And I liked that. Um, and then my other side note is I actually think that Into Darkness had way more gratuitous use of lens flare to the point where it was, like, kind of irking me while I watched that movie, even though I really liked that one as well. But, um, yeah, that's just my side note there. So. It's all good. Uh, Audrey, I'm pitching it back to you. Your second honorable mention. I chose the documentary, The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. <laughs> uh, I have not seen this, and I wasn't expecting a documentary, so talk it, away. It sticks with you. Um, it's about, um, I don't want to say a specific trailer park in West Virginia, but just kind of, um, it's actually, I want to say Johnny Knoxville is the one who um, put money into this documentary, and, oh, okay. which is why it exists today. Um, and I, my husband and I, and like, we, you know, there are the Florida man uh, headlines that you read, you know, on the newspaper and everything. Uh, it's very much a documentary about that specific kind of person, and him and I find different 
reasons to bring this quote up, but there's one scene in the documentary where this woman is shouting behind a pane of glass to a family inside a Taco Bell about how, like, yeah, they caught her on meth, they took her baby, and, like, but there's, you know, because you're talking through a pane of glass, there's, like, hard of hearing, but, and she just keeps screaming, like, they took her baby, like, she was on meth, and it, it's, reality tv in its finest but a documentary like oh. I, I don't know it's it's just, it's just ridiculous but it sticks with you and i don't know drugs are bad <laughs> drugs are bad <laughs> you heard it here <laughs> awesome um all right pete honorable mention Yeah, so my next pick is a movie that's much different than I Love You, Man, but uh, I actually went with the movie uh, Splice. So this was a uh, Guillermo del Toro produced, uh, I can't remember the director, but it's, you know, crazy sci-fi film. Uh, It stars Adrian Brody, and I can't remember who his uh, female counterpart was in the movie, but it's basically a movie about a couple who is, you know, they're two scientists who are making weird animal hybrids and they create this crazy human animal hybrid and they play God and, uh, they F around and find out I guess, for, <laughs> to make a long story short, but no, it's a super interesting movie from the fact of like messing with like human and animal DNA and combining it what are you going to get out of that and what is going to be like the social implications, the ethical implications from that? What are the problems you're going to go through? And uh, besides that, I just think it's a really well shot movie and it's a very, um, there's a lot of really interesting sort of design concepts when it comes to creature design and uh, stuff like that. Splice is a movie that I feel like you either love or hate because it's very heavy subject matter. There is some, gross out parts if you will but it is a movie that uh this one sticks with you as well (laughs) so (laughs) it's definitely a fun one to show a uh, group of friends if they're unfamiliar with it uh i guess i can leave it at that so yeah sarah polly the female lead oh there you go there you go and the one the reason i actually uh it caught my attention was uh david hewlett from stargate atlantis is in the movie and okay it it was a point where stargate atlantis was coming to a close and some of the actors were like, oh, yeah, I got this movie coming out. I'm doing this. And I was kind of like just checking out other projects that they were in. And I'm like, oh, he's in this cool sci-fi horror thing. Great. And then, yeah, it just is what it was. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that, yeah, that's why I watched that one. Um, nice. Did you see Splice? No. Okay. Yeah, familiar, though. And I know what that it came out in the genre, but never ventured. Um, so my final honorable mention is Fanboys. Nice. Have yes. you seen Fanboy? Yes. Okay. Kristen Bell. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, um, sometimes I mention fanboys in the wrong crowd and like people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, and no. I have to explain the whole thing. And they're like, oh, that sounds fun. And that's kind of like the end of the conversation. Uh, and fun, like, but also very sad. Like, it is I sad. Mean, the, what they're trying to do for their friends. Right. You know, and then the um, irony ensues. But the, what I think is interesting about the movie is, um, interviews with Kyle Newman about how, like, because if you remember back to the 1999, people trying to steal a copy of the movie was a real thing. People actually did try and steal copies of the movie early. Um, And so to make this movie about trying to get a copy of the movie or to see it early is one thing. They got, the movie got heavily, like, delayed 
because people were saying that you can't make fun of cancer and cancer is not funny, so you can't be doing this. And I'm like, the movies, oh, like when you actually watch the movie, they're never making fun of cancer. Yeah. yeah. It's the subplot that's driving the main plot. Yes. The kid's just dying and he wants to see the movie before he dies. Mm-hmm. How many times is that in the news? You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, but no, I love this movie top to bottom. I, if you've listened to this show, you've heard me talk about it before. And if you haven't seen the movie, by all means, pause this show, go watch it, and come back. <laughs> um, the uh, but no, I just love it. It's 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 who I was at that time. It's who I am now. It's you know what I mean. Like I just hope they do a fanboys too. I really do. So you know, Ernie Klein and Kyle Newman. I I know you guys know we want it. So get on it, <laughs> uh, Peter. I don't know if you have anything to say about it because we've talked about it heavily in the past, but. No, it's it's a great film. It's one of my favorites. Um, I've watched it like a hundred times, and uh, it's hard to add to everything you said. You just said, Drew, but for me, Fanboys actually does hold a special place in my heart because it's one of those movies where, when it finally was released, I wasn't in a super like comic booky, sci fi, nerdy place in my life, and it actually more or less kind of brought me back into my fandom of like star Wars and comics and all the stuff that I grew up with. And uh, I have a huge fondness of it for that because it brought me back into being an, being a fan in a lot of ways. So yeah, I just love this one. So yeah. All right. Well now we have to get onto the actual picks of the night. Ready to rank these? Are you okay? Peter, are you good? Because you forgot. (laughs) No, no, I'm good. I'm good to go. Um, Audrey, your first actual pick tonight. This is where now, in the rules, if you and I match, I can talk to you. I just can't say okay. I matched yet because I have, I might have it at a different ranking unless we match on that line. Deal. So, what Deal. do you got for me? Zombieland. All right. Nice. I've, I've mentioned it before, but I'm a big fan of the movies that take all of the genres, and it's hard to kind of categorize. And this one, it's comedy, action. There is that, like, romance romantic element but it it's so fun uh always double tap if if well, there's anything you take away from this movie double tap. If, if there's anything you take away from this movie it's all the rules <laughs> all the rules you know yes. what i mean cardio cardio yeah. check yeah. the back seat yeah. you know what i mean like yeah bathroom wear your seat belt that's one of wear our most important things <laughs> That's a good film. Yeah, and, and like Zombie Kill of the Week, because we would yes. have those, oh you know what gosh. I mean? Like, absolutely. We would have those. Um, such such a good film. Uh, so fun um, for everybody. You know, there are some movies where you kind of have to be, it's geared towards a certain person. This one, yeah, anybody. Yeah, everyone, everyone should see <laughs> Zombieland. Yeah, take your kids. Exactly. <laughs> Peter, thoughts on Zombieland? You're being quiet. No, I- in general. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I just want to make, you know, I'm not trying to uh, over talk anybody or anything either, but like, I just, this movie's a great pick and it's, Zombieland is so fun and it came out right at the height of like zombie fandom. You know, we were like, I believe Walking Dead hadn't come out yet as far as the show goes, but we were kind of like on the cusp of that. And I remember there's some other like cool zombie stuff going on in pop culture. And this movie came out at such a perfect time. And it was such a, uh, 
it just felt so fun to be there at the theater. Like I saw this opening weekend and I just remember the crowd being so into it and it was so good. Like there's so many hilarious parts and this was just such a blast to watch. So I definitely think it's a good call. And as far as uh, combining genres, this movie's almost like, it's kind of one of those cool things um, along the lines of like Shaun of the Dead and maybe some other horror comedies where it's kind of, it is a horror comedy action thing, but it's also almost a parody film in a really meta sort of way, but it's not. And it's yeah. also an homage to every zombie movie that came before it. And uh, I think that's really cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I'm glad you said it's a parody, but it's not because it felt very, Original. even though it's a comedy, it still had its horror elements. So it was still had these intense, scary moments. But, yeah. Yeah. And and it it took the subject matter seriously, but in a weird meta way, there's like a little bit of a loving playing fun with the genre sort of thing, if that makes sense. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Peter, first pick. Yeah. So my pick, if you will. Yeah, my first pick, um, I actually went with the movie Coraline. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The uh, stop motion animated film. Um, this movie, I, I just think it's great. Um, it's based off the uh, book by Neil Gaiman, and I think it's it's such a good story when it comes down to it. Um, and it's just one of those, you have just these stop-motion animated characters, but there's so much heart that is put into all the characters, where the suspense of this movie just really gets under your skin, and you just really get into it, and you're really rooting for Coraline but creeped out because her like other dimensional mother is gonna sew buttons to her eyes and like I don't know it's gruesome in that sort of suggestive way that you would want from kids horror where there's like these really obvious threats that really make you squirm but it never really shows gore or anything and it leaves everything to your imagination but that kind of makes it more suspenseful at the same time. Um, but also like this movie's great from like a craft level. Like if you look at the behind the scenes stuff from this movie and the massive like model they had to make of the like house and the uh, grounds that this movie takes place on and stuff like there's a lot of just really impressive craft. That's awesome to see. And uh, the movie has a great soundtrack and stuff like this one. I feel like is just a good pick all around. I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on uh Coraline, you know what I mean? I could not agree more. No, nice. such a such a solid film. It is. Absolutely. It is an amazingly solid film. And you know what's funny is you're talking about Coraline, and I had the moment of as I was thinking about the movie, I'm like, hold on a second, who produced this movie? What studio made this movie? I think it was like a Yeah, yes. the same one that did Kubo. It is. The... Yeah. Well, so to confirm that while you were talking, I did a quick Google who made what studio made Coraline. I typed in what studio made and it was the second one down, <laughs> which I think is interesting. Crazy. However, but it is Leica, and if you didn't know this, Leica is owned by Nike. Um, it's the, and it's it's the it's the we don't care if the movies make money because this isn't. Well, the right. I, I don't know exactly what the connection is, but the father works at Nike. The son, it, this is a passion yeah. project. Yeah. of And Nike back. And it's like we this. make all our money make. And shoes and sports apparel, mm-hmm. so why not? If you want to go make movies, go make movies. And if they make money, they make money. If they don't, it doesn't really matter. Like, that's go do why your there's project. always a collaboration um, yeah. with their movies and the, the shoes that come out. Yeah. Oh, oh. interesting. 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. If, if you didn't know that, Peter, I found that out. I found yeah. that out a while back, and I was like, wow, that's interesting, you know. So, um, all right. So my first pick of the night, and Audrey can see my screen, so I haven't been typing on purpose. Oh, okay. I didn't want you to, like, see a pick before I revealed oh, no. it. Uh, my first, my or my number five pick is the movie Inglorious Bastards. Uh, nice. Such a well-done Tarantino film. We've talked about it before. Um, one of my, my, literally my favorite moment in the movie. There's some great bits with Brad Pitt for sure and Eli Roth and, you know, some of the guys like killing Nazis and stuff. But my favorite moment mm-hmm. of the movie, my, this is literally, it's just, it's such a chilling scene. It's so Tarantino. Christoph Waltz is like, it's a, it's a master class of acting is the opening sequence when the Nazis come to the farm and they're just interviewing the guy and he's got the Jews hiding under the, the the Jews are like watching through the mm -hmm. slats of the floor, Mm -hmm. like trying to stay quiet and stuff. And then the girl got decides to run and try and get away. Like it's such an amazing scene. And Christoph Waltz and like the best Christoph Waltz way, like, can I get a glass of milk? And he's just kind of sitting there waiting and he's like, like very slowly opening his portfolio, getting his pen out, getting ready to write stuff down, and you're just like the tension's just building, and it's all him just building. I, I just love that scene. Yeah. So. Oh no, such a such a great movie. Um, I can't nothing but good things. Uh, honestly, about any of Tarantino's. Peter, thoughts? No, Inglorious Bastards is uh, it's an awesome film. Um, I. Love that this is, a, and you touched on this a bit, Drew, but I love that this is a movie that Quentin Tarantino specifically was trying to build suspense with. Like, in every scene, he wanted to build suspense, and instead of focusing on, like, the movie does have the action, it does have the gore, it has stuff like that, but he really wanted to focus on building suspense in the audience member and making them cringe and worry about the characters on screen and he plays a lot with uh like dramatic irony um in that way in the movie and i think it's just a brilliant movie where so much of it is just dialogue but the way that the tension is built in so many of those dialogue scenes like drew the the part you were talking about at the beginning where the nazis like come and visit the farm and uh they're hiding under the floorboards and stuff but also like later on when you have that uh bar scene and stuff Thanks, like that. Was, like, yes, I was just going to bring that up, the yeah. Diane, Diane Kruger's uh, card game scene. Oh, yeah. I have a completely different scene. Okay. Um, same character when he's they're eating the strudel, and oh. she wants nothing more to leave, but, you know, no, you got to wait for the, the cream to go on top. Oh. And it's just like like you said, like, See, like I was, building. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was thinking but, of the scene where Diane Kruger and Michael oh, Fassbender are playing, they're playing, the, the, they're playing the heads up the, forehead yeah. game or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, that scene, like, I love that yeah. thing. Um, oh, and he holds up the, he, the number three, but he does it in the wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm, for all the listeners out there, I'm doing it with my hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah the, the way he takes on got his hand up, yeah. listeners can't see her. Um, it, it, that's why, like, we joked last week, because we were talking about comic book covers, I'm like, well, it's an audio podcast, but here's all the, like, covers we like. Um, that's an Instagram post. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right, throwing it back to you. Number four. Drag Me to Hell. Yes. Nice. Oh, my goodness. Um, this um, had always kind of stayed away from the horror genre growing up, but this movie, for whatever reason, it was like the, a light switch inside of me flipped and was like, I can 
let's do this. I can get behind this. Like, let's let's do it. Um, um I I love this movie. It, it's a little funny. It's a little camp. You know, it's a little camp. Funny and camp in the terms of campy, but such a solid horror film. And the ending goes down. I think. Uh, for me, in like the history book of endings, like I I love the ending of this. Movie. Yeah, yeah. I really, mm-hmm. I I really feel like it's Sam Raimi coming back to horror, going, guys, I need to show you how to I do this. I still got right. it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I still got it. Let me show you how to do this. It's like when Eminem comes back, going, guys, seriously, it's, like I'm just, still here. I'm still here. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm better than all of you, and I'm still here. Like yeah, you know, yeah. Like, no. I'm, <laughs> Drag I'm, me to the hell is the without me of horror films. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter, I know you love this movie, Foss. No, I, I love this movie, and uh, a big part of it is, like, uh, this movie came out um, around the time when I was, I think it was around my last semester of college, and uh, when I was in college, I got super into, like, the Evil Dead movies, and uh, From Dust Till Dawn, and a lot of similar, like, sort of splatter, gory horror films, and of course, like, I was just so stoked about Sam Raimi coming back to horror and uh you know because before that he had done like the spider-man movies and stuff which i love those too but he hadn't done just a proper straightforward horror film for a while but drag me to hell i just thought was so fun like it's one of those movies that you sit down for and uh again like this is a movie where there is some gore and stuff but it really I think it's, I want to say it's rated PG-13. Like, it doesn't focus on the gore. It kind of just focuses on the fun of the story. And it feels like you're going through a haunted house. Like, it's this crazy haunted house of a film. And uh, I feel it also has the feel of, like, an old school, like, Tales from the Crypt horror comic. And it's just, it's such a fun movie. Like, I just love this one. It's another one of my favorites. And I feel like because it wasn't connected to a franchise, I think a lot of people slept on this one, um, which is both good and bad. Like, it's bad that maybe not everybody went out to see this movie, but it's good because it's a movie you can introduce to people for the first time, and that's, like, a really fun aspect of it as well. Like, it's a good movie to bring to the Halloween party, so to speak. I agree, yeah. The the themes are more just, like, upsetting in the fact that you're looking at something kind of scary than there are jump scares or, you know, the type of... um scenes that you see in your like typical saw movie or anything yeah. like that. yeah like it, <laughs> it, it, it yeah I, I agree all right well peter what's your number four um i could be pretty quick with this one because i actually went with inglorious bastards for number four so um for all the the reasons i i just said um especially just the suspense building but uh there is some cool action stuff in there there's some really bombastic characters and i love the uh the other thing I wanted to mention before that I forgot was kind of the parts when uh, you have the uh, the character, like the American characters going through and like, you know, just taking a machine gun and shooting through Nazis. And it almost is evocative of like ninjas running through a building and slicing people up with swords just because of the stylization of how Quentin Tarantino depicted that on screen. Like, I love that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah. All right. All right, so my number four, and Audrey actually watched me draw a little arrow because I was flipping my order rank, and she made a face like what you were talking about. Uh, I'm like, oh, oh interesting. I don't know if she can read my sheet, and no. so I kind of slid no, it over I saw so she you make the... But she, I know she saw me make the arrow change. Um, I'm going with Watchmen. 
Ooh, okay. Um, yeah. Audrey's making a cringy face. She got the okay. And- <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, I watched the HBO show. I'm, I'm very familiar with the movie, but I've never seen the movie. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, so I started watching the movie, and then the, like the billiard scene kind of happened early on. Yeah. And I, t- I turned it off because in that moment, um. The content that I consume kind of needs to match my mood, and if I'm already kind of in a dark mood, I should pick a comedy. Like, I don't want to ride that out. And I, yeah. So okay. I didn't know that. I thought it was going to be more action, and then that scene kind of happened, and I was just like, I can't. No thanks. And I so, gotcha. And then I just never picked it back up. It's also a long, a long movie. It's a very long movie. So yeah. that's also why I haven't come back to it, because you do need to set time aside for it. The movie is, I think the movie is a feat of filmmaking that is uh, underrated in terms of what what they were trying to adapt to what we got mm-hmm. is underappreciated. Um, have you ever read Watchmen? Um, no, but um, my husband owns the book, and so that sits on okay. a bookshelf, and I flipped through. It is. I'm, I'm familiar with the art. It is so close to the. It's it's so well. It's it's such an honorable adaptation, they adjust some things at the end of the movie, for sure. Okay. So, like, the mm-hmm. comic doesn't line up the same way. Um, but, uh, and they, they change some stuff, like, the how they deal with the end villain is not the same, if you will. Um, but they, but it, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with how they ended it on the movie itself. Um, but it's such a gorgeously shot movie. It's so well done in the sense that Zack Snyder's like, hey, nope, that's what it looks like on the page. That's what it's got to look at like on okay. the screen. You know, in the same vein of like Sin City, how closely they adapted that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, the way Sin City was adapted it was almost picture perfect what you got page to screen. It's what Zack Snyder was going for. And I think he did a really beautiful job putting that together. But it's such a well-crafted film. It's also such a well craft like the acting is so well done. Like he casted it so perfectly. Um but yeah, just in terms of it, it's just it's it's a feat and I think it's underappreciated. So yeah, I just I think it's fantastic. I agree with you, it is a very hard sit. There are certain there's some heavy, heavy tones in that movie, but I also read it so I knew what I was walking into. True. You know, yeah. I'm like if they do I half of what's in the book, you know. So, Watchmen is a movie that everything Drew said, I agree with, and it's actually kind of hard to add to it, but I do think it is a really faithful, well-done adaptation of the comic, and uh, as Drew was was saying, they do change some stuff at the end, but it was kind of in a really tasteful way to streamline the story for it being a motion picture that I think worked really well as far yeah. as when you look at the running time and uh, having to simplify a couple things, but it actually felt really tasteful how that was done. But the thing about Watchmen is this is a movie that I think is great and it came out kind of at the wrong time because this came out at, in 2009 and uh, even though we had had plenty of superhero movies before it, I feel like, the superhero movie boom was still in its infancy a little bit. And like Watchmen is a movie that could have came out 10 years later and everybody I think would have reacted 
differently to it because they would yeah. have had there would be that much more superhero fatigue, but not even just the fatigue, just the more familiar familiarity with superhero stories and stuff like that to yeah. where people would really embrace how Watchmen critiques that sort of thing and takes superhero tropes and turns them on its head on on its head and stuff like that. But I think Watchmen is the the book and the movie are both really well put together stories when it comes to again the critiques on superhero stuff but also the societal critiques the intricate political stuff that's going on and uh, the way that the masses would react to some of the events that the uh that this story depicts um and so yeah i i just love this one so yeah Good. <laughs> I, it's it's one of those things I feel like I could have kept going and I don't want to, you know, because I, right. I know we were already going long. <laughs> we're much longer than normal, but that's all right. Number three pick. What do you got? Coraline. All right. We, nice. We already mentioned it earlier. Um, but, yeah, I love um, the the kids' introduction to horror films. So, like, this, like, Frankenweenie, uh, Paranormal, um, what's the... Uh, Norman. Paranorman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I love that style of of film, and you know, like you said, um, the crafts craftsmanship that goes along, you know, behind the scenes of this film, the um, the the mice all dancing, and just like thinking about all of those figures were somebody by hand did all of that, and all the the mouth and like hand movement, just it's. We talk about feats, but like that's, I, I can't even imagine the, the level of patience of each and every individual that, that well, partook on that film. It didn't make my list, but look at Fantastic Mr. Fox. Same. Yeah, same. Right? Also 2009. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Oh, man. Peter, yeah. you see Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yep. Yeah, both are great. <laughs> yeah. All right. Peter, number three pick. What do you got? Um, my next pick could be super short because I went with the Watchmen, actually. So. Ah. Sweet. Uh, that's men. Watch men, not watch man. Um, I feel like I'm picking, like, more mainstream movies compared to you guys, but that's all right. I just think it's interesting when I think about my list. But, hey, that's what it is. Um, the next movie on my list is Up in the Air. Did either of you guys see that movie? Uh, George Clooney? Yeah. Uh, no. You did not. Uh, no, but I'm yeah. <laughs> okay, Peter, did you see Up in the Air? No, I I don't think so. I don't think oh, I've okay. seen this one. This um this movie is I had I really don't know what I was expecting when I went and saw this movie. Um it's literally George Clooney is the guy who gets on the airplane and he flies over to like some corporation that's doing layoffs, so he's in charge of layoffs. Oh. Like, he's there to oversee layoffs. For, like, some big corporation <laughs> is like, hey, we need to do layoffs. We're doing some downsizing or whatever. So George Clooney's the guy that gets sent over, and he sits down with all the individual people and says, you know, we're letting you go. Here's your severance package, all that stuff, right? Is this also um, Woodley, the actress? Uh, Shailene Woodley? No, yeah. it's Anna Kendrick. Oh, oh. Okay. So Anna Kendrick is like, hey, I have this new way of uh, she's trying to streamline it so George Clooney doesn't have to travel. And it's like we can do the whole thing online, like a Zoom call, that kind of stuff. And he's For like, yeah, wild. And he's like, um, no, we can't do this. And she's like, why? And he's like, 
because this is an incredibly personal thing that happens to people. Getting laid off is not something that can be done over a computer. It's not something you can do, like, from a thousand miles away. You need to do it face-to-face. You need to be able to, like, it's intense and personal moments. So she gets, so she doesn't believe him. So she gets sent by the company to go with him on a hire, on a firing tour. So they're literally traveling around the country going from corporation to corporation, like, letting these people go and dealing with it. And she has to see what it's like to deal with, the face to face and like the guy yelling at her and all that stuff. Cause like, you know, yeah. And in the, in the midst of that, George Clooney is like, he's got this girl that he runs into in an airport every now and then. And they have this fling that like, they'll see each other. They'll be like, Hey, I'm in the city at the same time. So they'll have this rendezvous. So they have this like actual relationship, but because how strained their lives are with their travel for work, they only have these little bits of time for each other. Like, hey, I'm going to be in Houston next week. So am I. What dates? What hotel do you want to stay at? So they can mm-hmm. see each other and have these, like, romantic getaways. But at the same time, then they split off and they do their thing. So he's got this, like, secret world that exists only in this travel community. And there's this great bit in the beginning of the movie where Anna Kendrick is going into the airport with him. And he's talking about – it's actually, like, maybe, like, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes into the movie – He's talking to her, like, he's walking up to security, and he's like, and he stops, and he looks, and he goes, this is going to sound bad, and he's like, all right, old people, never get behind old people. They have a kid? No. And he's like, Asians, they're all business, and they get in line behind the Asians to get through security faster. You know what I mean? Like, it's really, it's really kind of fun, like, and he's got all these travel tips for her, and like, how you do things faster, how you do things like, um, the movie's really funny, but it's like on that charming funny, but it's also like, really deep. And it's 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 deep in the sense that you you watch the movie and you're like, huh, okay, like, and you, you kind of feel better about yourself watching it and all that stuff, and you care for the characters and you root for them, and then bad stuff happens to them, just like, oh man, and like, but you're still along with the adventure, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And George Clooney's ultimate goal in the movie, because he has to travel for work, is to reach a million frequent flyer miles. Like, that's the goal. He wants to reach a million miles. And it, it comes up several times in the conversation. And Anna Kendrick's like, what are you going to do with it? And he's like, well, technically, I can go wherever I want. Like, you can just be like, I have a million miles. But then, like, he hits the million-mile points, and he's like, well, I'm going to take a 1,000 of them and give them to my sister cause, so her and her husband can go have their honeymoon or whatever the case may be. But when you hit a million miles, the captain – is supposed to like there's this whole thing with the captain of the airplane will come back and actually sit and have a drink with you and it's like this really <laughs> rare thing that only so many people in their lifetime have ever gotten a million miles like interesting um so it's this whole thing that Clooney's like trying to achieve like so he's like and he's and the whole we're gonna stop your traveling thing comes just before he's gonna hit it so he's like no I can't like <laughs> <laughs> and that was fun. The whole adventure. The movie's nice. wonderful. I feel like I'm not selling it enough, but the movie is just wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. Deal check it out. List. It's it's yeah. it's wonderful. And he got a he got a best actor nomination that year, along with Anna Kendrick. I think joined him for supporting actress nomination that year. Uh, neither one of them won, but they got the nomination. So. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fantastic. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I, obviously, like, I haven't seen it. I just don't it's, have a lot to comment, but no, it sounds really cool. It's all good. <laughs> it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a talking heads movie, so just be ready for lots of dialogue, but it's just a wonderful film. Nice. So, anyway, Audrey, number two pick. The Invention of Flying. All right. Have either of you seen this? I have. Okay. 
I have not seen this. I've heard about it, and it sounds amazing. I just haven't actually seen this one myself, so. <laughs> so funny. Basically, it's it's all in the title. It's it uh, is all it a, is all in the title. A, yeah, a world if lying didn't exist, and Ricky Gervais' character is the first one to tell a lie, and it kind of goes from there. And it's a comedy, but. You're talking about, you know, up in the air being a, a really deep movie. This this movie gets so deep to the point where I thought I was watching a slapstick comedy, and then I'm crying at yeah, the end of the movie. I'm with you. The way you like, say that. Oh, Absolutely. So good. Um, solid. And it's I, I, the beginning. Uh, Jennifer Gardner, right, is the, like, love and, or the the other half to Richard Bay. I think that's correct. Um there's a scene at the beginning where they're like set up for a blind date and she basically like, I don't want to be too crass, but she uh, basically tells him that she's going to go upstairs and uh, masturbate and he can just wait downstairs for a little bit. And he's like, <laughs> okay, well I'm just uh, going to try and not think of that. And you know, like, cause lying I just doesn't sneeze. exist. Excuse me. <laughs> no worries. I'm like, whoa, that is not going to, there's no way I can hold that in. But, like lying doesn't exist. <laughs> So like it, I don't know, it's just it's like it's it's so yeah, funny Arden. and and such a good film, um, and it, it truly like I said like that 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 was a very uh, crass uh, scene to mention, but the movie has so much more heart than that, um, and, it, and it shows uh, in that third act. <laughs> I like the I like the idea that uh, Drew didn't actually sneeze; he actually had like a spit take because the subject matter got a little too racy there. The timing was perfect, but I felt the sneeze coming, and I'm like, "Oh my god, there's no way of hiding this. The mics are getting it doesn't matter. We'll so fix it, awesome. right? I'll fix it in post. Edit. Oh, um, those poor editors. Peter, number two. Uh, my number two Before, can be oh, really sh- oh, We always say we're going to fix it in post, and we don't, and that's half the fun of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Peter, go ahead. Yeah, my number two can also be super short because I went with Drag Me to Hell. Um, this is one of my favorite movies. I've rewatched it a ton, and a lot of it goes back to the that sort of – I have to, I had to show this movie to other people because I had so much fun watching it myself. So I introduced it to so many people. And when I put my list together, like a lot of times rewatchability does come into play where it's like, I mean, this has to be at the top of my list because I've watched it literally so many times, but you know, that's, it's just dragged me to hell's great. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know what else to add to it either. (laughs) Um, so I'll just go. Uh, my number two for the night is District Nine. Nine. Oh, of course, great yeah. movie. This this movie is wonderful in the sense, like in every way possible. Um, it, I I almost don't know where to like begin. Like one, you have this story about aliens that landed and how they're going to deal with it. The movie's shot in a documentary style, but like if you also will. kind of found footage. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's know. like a found footage documentary mm-hmm. style for like the first probably two thirds of the movie is how it, that's shot, mm-hmm. um, and then it becomes this like action film, like the back half of it or the back third, and this is the movie that kind of put Neil Blomkamp on the map, and it's yeah. and it's because like. It's one of the reasons I really am looking forward to seeing Gran Turismo is because Neil Blomkamp, just seeing how he's going to handle this. I want to see how he's going to shoot the races. Like, I'm just like, yeah, the trailer, literally, I know exactly what the movie is based on the trailer. But, man, I want to see those car races with him at the helm. You know what I mean? Um, 
But this movie, like, yes, this there's some gory sequences in this movie, and there's some kind of hard-to-sit moments, like, when it comes to the gore and stuff. But at the same time, like, I was not expecting a movie about immigration. And well, I, I went into that. Like, I was not expecting that at all. But the movie's in. It's just awesome. That's what I was going to say. Like, yes, aliens, like, kind of crashed down, but it's then the years after that, like, we've, okay, we know aliens. They live among us. We interact with them on a daily basis. We've shunned them away from society, but, like, they're, we coexist, you know. Yeah. And then they're, and then it's just, they're, it's the immigration camp at the same time. Like, yeah. I feel like that's another movie that came out almost a little too ahead of its time mm-hmm. because of all the stuff going on in the world now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just really like, I think, hey, Congress, I have a list of movies you really should watch, and then let's talk about <laughs> issues. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, um, but, the, but the special effects in this, the the special effects, whether they be practical or CGI, are amazing. Um, that, like, mech suit that he gets to wear, that, like, robotic thing or whatever, like, it sure looks like they did that practically, as opposed to, like, CGI. It really does look like a piece of practical, um, uh, machinery or visual effect in some way, which I, I'm really good, and once you get the curtain pulled back, when you, when you study film, and when you get the curtain pulled back, it's hard to close the curtain, so you can see the red tape through the CGI, or you can see the red tape through the vision, the practical effect. And you kind of learn how the uh, sausage is made at that point, and you're just like, well, closing the curtain is going to be really hard because you're, you're viewing it through a different lens. This is That's one prop piece that I couldn't figure it out, and I was really happy that I couldn't figure that out. I'm like, is that fake? Is it real? Like, how'd they do that? Um, yeah. I really appreciated that. But, no, this... Uh, District Nine's amazing. Everyone just go watch this movie. It's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I haven't rewatched this in a while, but the what, I remember watching it and it just felt so real. And it is a level of like great special effects, but also just how real world everything played out. And uh, just relating to the immigration aspect, like I love that this movie does this really cool, like sort of monster movie trope where it has you have the guy who's like. I can't remember if he is government or law enforcement, but this like official who's like a big force against this um, alien immigration. And then he goes through a transformation where he becomes one of them. He becomes one of the aliens that he was working against the whole time. And I just love that sort of trope. But at the heart of that, there's actually a really tragic love story that plays out too. Like one of the subplots is like, this man's transformation and how he becomes estranged from his wife by the end of the film. And uh, I remember talking to friends and talking about, it sounds really goofy, but I feel like District 9 is one of the most romantic films I've ever seen in a really tragic sort of way. You know what I mean? So, yeah, this is a great pick. So, Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Audrey, number one pick, final pick. I love you, man. Oh, wow. I, that's <laughs> that's awesome. Man, but, uh, yeah, I love you, man. I And you know what's I funny love... is that was a spoiler. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Like, I you, spoiled, <laughs> you spoiled that and we've been waiting. And, and it's funny because in this whole conversation, I forgot that you spoiled that. Yeah, exactly. So that's your number one pick. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I've, I love this movie. Um, there's 
this is this is a comedy and uh, you know all of the the buddy cop movies or the the buddy the buddy movies but this is in a, a league of its own um and i i think it boils down to men just need to say i love you more to other men or you know like um my husband and his best friend, he lives in Texas. We live here in Illinois and we saw each other most recently. And my husband went to the bathroom and he was like, is it okay if I give him a big boy hug? And I like, what do you mean a big boy hug? And he was like, like a, like a big, like, you know, like yeah. a, a maybe a holding on a second too long type of hug. And I'm more of that, please. <laughs> sure. More of that, please. Like, all, all the way around, sure. across the table. Like, so this movie is like the epitome of, you know, all the way down to all of the conversations that they kind of have in his like little like garage area, all the way up to like the wedding day. Like, I I love this movie backwards and forwards. It's it's so light and heartfelt and. I, I love the dynamic between Paul Rudd and, and Jason Siegel. It's it's great. I can't, I can't I have nothing but good things to say about this movie. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Big boy hugs. Any final thoughts on "I Love You, Man"? Uh, me? Uh, yeah. Probably not too much from what I said before, but no, this is a this is a great movie. And like I said, I I rewatch this one all the time. I think it's just a really good time. You know, it's it's such a good movie. To there's so many like tidbits and one-liners that just get stuck in your head and crack me up every time and stuff, you know? Laugh in the base. All right. Peter, final pick. What's your number one of 2009? (laughs) I could probably keep this one short, too, but I actually went with Fanboys, where I feel like on a list with movies like Inglorious Bastards or Watchmen or Splice, like, I feel like Fanboys is, you know, it's kind of a goofy comedy, but it's also kind of not because it's, it's kind of like at the end of the movie when uh, I can't remember the the uh, character's name, but the one who had uh, cancer, how at the very end he said Linus. Linus. Yes, thank you. But at the very end, like it's his last line of the movie, he says it's not about, you know, he's going through different aspects of Star Wars and it's not about the special effects and about this and that. It's about all of us. And I'm paraphrasing here and I'm probably butchering the line but that's what this movie was about to me like it's about me it's about me and my brothers and my friends and this pop culture stuff that we love but at the end of the day it's about more of that and as I mentioned before this movie did kind of bring me back to a lot of my fandoms too so it has a special place in my heart but uh no fanboys is a is a great film and uh this is another one that also comes down to rewatchability for me. Like I've, I've literally probably watched this movie a hundred times. So it's just awesome. So that scene you're talking about when he's talking to Butler and he is doing that whole, it's not about the special effects. It's not about, you know, the, when he's doing that whole, it's all about us. You can see all of that being internalized when he's watching the movie. Yeah. And that scene where he's watching the movie, it's such a, there's no dialogue, there's no sound, it's really just him watching it, and, like, you can see the internalization on his face of everything you just said. And Mm -hmm. I remember, like, at that point in the movie, that made me tear up a little bit, because, one, he got to see the movie, but, two, 
you could see what he was internalizing. And you could, and before the lines even came up, it's almost like you knew he was going to say when they finally asked him what he thought of the movie. Um, and I just thought it was kind of cool <laughs> that he's like, yeah, I got to see the movie and my friends did this for me, but I can't talk to him about the movie. I, you know what I mean? That's like, the other thing, like them trying to like get any shred of knowledge out of him about what the movie's about. Right. And he's clam- like, yeah. and that whole dynamic of what friends would do if, Another one of them had a secret and trying to get the, yeah. that. That was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a good film. All right. Well, my final pick, my number one of 2009, is actually the best picture. I'm choosing The Hurt Locker. Nice. Um, <laughs> have you guys seen that movie? No. no. Peter, have you seen The Hurt Locker? No, I haven't. <laughs> I do. Did I watch all the movies you've in 2009? <laughs> all right. First off, you guys need to see The Hurt Locker. It's absolutely astounding. Um First film directed by a woman that was uh, first, first film directed by a woman that won a Best Picture. Mm-hmm. It's also the first female, Catherine Bigelow is the first female to win Best Director. Oh. Um, she uh, previously married to James Cameron, uh, shoots this movie. Parts of this movie feel found footage, and parts of this movie seem, are like just intense military action. But this is a, it's a movie about, a bomb squad military unit, and it's literally them in Iraq or Afghanistan doing their thing. And it's the stuff they get into, the bombs they have to defuse, the the situations they get into. It is incredibly intense. It's incredibly gripping. It is so well shot. Camera work, uh, script, cinematography, the acting. This is Jeremy. This is this is the movie that yeah, Jeremy Renner. Um, has been in other stuff, but he got a be- he got a supporting he got a best actor nomination for this. Um, he didn't win, but he got a best actor nomination for it. Um, but it's like everyone everything is firing on all cylinders with this movie. But one of my favorite moments in the movie it's it's a weird moment to like love like the opening sequence is absolutely astounding and like a masterpiece of filmmaking, right? In terms because it's literally like there's a bomb. And the, the intensity, because the guys are like, it's that trigger happy, like, we don't know who's a terrorist, who's a bad guy in this space. Um, are, are you a civilian? Are you a terrorist? Are you a civilian or a terrorist? Are you ISIS? Are you not ISIS? Whatever. You don't really know. So they're, like, trying to watch each other's backs while the guy puts on the bomb suit and goes and disarms the bomb to protect everyone from going off. It is incredibly intense. My palms are sweating. Your palms are sweating. Like, it is, it is incredibly <laughs> intense as you, like, go through this. Um, but Jeremy Renner's character is, he's the weirdo character. So like, if you watch like Apocalypse Now and you got like the guy with the uh, necklace of ears or whatever that he's collected, you know, you, I've you, never you seen it. well, you've at least heard the jokes about like, you know, people like, you know, collecting, you know, whatever, create like the necklace of ears or whatever. It's like, oh, these are the fallen people, you know, like, I mean, my, my kills or whatever. Okay. Like, uh, D- Daryl from The Walking Dead. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Daryl oh, from The Walking okay, Dead. Okay. Perfect, perfect yeah. example. Yeah. Uh, better example, I guess. Um, Jeremy Renner's the weird one who keeps a piece of every bomb he disarms. Like a trophy. Oh, like a wire. Kind of like a trophy. Okay, keeps sure. a wire, maybe the button or a switch or, like, something like that. And he's got a whole box of them. And his teammates are like, dude, this is messed up. Like, I can't, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you're on a whole other level of, like, like military crazy. Like, you go, you went nuts and no one knows it yet. Because um, when he reveals it to them, they're like, this is messed up. But it's all successful. Right. So, I, I mean, right. those are that trophies. Well, there's an end. There's an that. end sequence of this movie where his tour ends, and like while you're watching the movie, they're counting the days of the tour. They're counting down to 
the end of his tour, right? So there's a there's a moment where the tour ends and he has to go back to the real world. So he's stateside and he's hanging out with his wife played by Evangeline Lilly and they got their kid and they're just trying to be a family and they go to the grocery store. I don't know if it's a Jewel, Walmart, Target. Sure. You don't really know. But there's a scene where they're walking up to the register and she goes, oh, shoot, I forgot the cereal. And he's like, it's all right, I'll run back and grab it real quick. And he runs into the cereal aisle and there's this shot. She shoots it so low, like one of those like shots where she put the camera on the floor to like just make it look more like imposing. And it's just the shot of him standing in a cereal aisle. He's the only one in the aisle. And you can see the rows of cereal. And he's, like, looking at the shelves. And he has this, like, moment of, like, what am I doing? Like, I, almost like you're, like, playing pretend at like, the moment. Right. Like, it's just, like, reality, like what? Like, like this isn't, what am I doing here? And then yeah. it, the scene ends, and it cuts to him being redeployed. They have deployment mark one or whatever, and they oh show you God. the new time, and he's back in it. And that's how the movie ends, and you're just like, not, I'm not trying to ruin the ending of the movie, but you're just like, huh, okay. It's such a well-shot movie. It's so incredible, but it is incredibly intense. It's incredibly heavy subject matter and stuff. Yeah. But I had, I had a lot of fun watching it, one, as a film student, because mm-hmm. I'm studying the movie, but it's and it's such a great movie, but then I'm sitting there at the end of the movie like, Whoa, like, just in this moment of, like, yeah. it's kind of like when you watch Oppenheimer yeah. and you're just, like, you're, you're left with the subject matter and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know, so. Peter, thoughts on Hurt Locker? I feel bad. I'm the only one in the room who's seen it, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, you've talked about it before, and my my issue is just, like, military movies are sometimes a big blind spot for me. Um, I really need to see this one, of course. It's just I haven't seen it, but... uh no, it, it sounds amazing, and especially that uh, part you're talking about at the end of the film sounds like a really unique thing that, unless you've been deployed in the military, you probably can't relate to, but it sounds like right. it's showing an emotion that somebody in that situation probably has felt before, and uh, it's like a very unique emotion that I don't know if I've ever heard of another movie trying to portray that, so that's a really interesting thing to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of the list. Uh, Peter, what are we discussing next week? It's your pick. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, next week I wanted to do another movie list, but this time I want to talk about our top five movies that are named after songs. So we're talking about movies like pretty woman or my girl, or there's actually a lot of them. And when you Yeah, perfect one? example. Perfect. Yep. Uh, yeah, the the Zeppelin song, Dazed and Confused. But uh, when you actually Google the list, there's a lot more movies that you didn't realize were named after songs. And there's a lot of really good ones. And uh, the only uh, rule that I want to impose for this list is the movie has to be named after a song that came before it. It can't be a movie, like, for example, the the movie That Thing You Do wouldn't count because the song was made for the movie. And if it's, like, a song that's made for the movie that's on on the soundtrack, that doesn't necessarily count. It has to be a song that came out before the movie was made, if that makes sense, so. But That Thing You Do, that would have been a perfect, that's. Well, it's it's the idea that the song's got to come first, and I think that's kind of cool. That's That's a cool rule, so. Um, I'm down, man, and I'm, in my mind, I'm just like, I don't even know where to begin, so I'm going to have to 
you, you're uh, going to Google it and just be like, man, I forgot about that one. I forgot about that one. And uh, I wanted to mention like Pretty Woman and My Girl, because for me, those are like two of the ones that pop up really quick in my mind. But then when you sure. Google it, you're going to be like, wow, there's actually a lot to choose from here. So Purple Rain fall in that category. Yeah, good question. Where does purple? That is a good question. It's not going to make my list, but that is a good. That's an interesting thing. Um, Paradox. There it is. I I think it's one of those. If you want to include it, you'll just have to plead your case. But I mean, I I think it counts. You know, the song was made for the movie. You know, even though the movie's like starring the (laughs) the person who performed the song, but I don't know. Listen to this podcast enough. As long as you can argue it, we allow it. Yeah. Um, what made you come up with this, if you don't mind me asking, or is that a story for next week? Uh, I could save it for next week. It, there's one, one of my, uh, one of my favorite movies, um, and franchises is named after a song, but I don't think everybody knows that it is, and, uh, that's kind of what inspired it, so. Flash Queen. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, anything else, Peter? Because we went way long, so I hope you guys had a long car ride to listen to this or a lengthy lawnmower or whatever you're slow doing. Work day. Slow work day or something, yeah. Um, Audrey, um, thank you so much for joining us. The yeah. seat is always open if you want to come so back. Um, Peter, I hope it's cool that we had a guest tonight. Yeah, no, no, yeah, Audrey, it's, it's nice to meet you, and uh, yeah, this was <laughs> awesome having you as a guest. Um, yeah, really fun stuff, and uh between all three of our lists, I actually like how much overlap there was. Like, I didn't know anybody else was going to pick Drag Me to Hell or, uh, you know, Fanboys or I Love You Man and stuff. So that was awesome, you know. I know. And uh, also kind of insider baseball with this list, I, like, specifically didn't choose Inglorious Bastards because I figured, figured that, that we would have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, you shouldn't I play that, that way. way. <laughs> I, okay. I'll, but... You um, don't don't play I that did, way. Choose your list. Choose so, your movies the way you choose your movies. And I'm the for the people at home. I'm showing Andy my list. Like I had my my basic list, and then I narrowed down with like a first highlighter color of pink, and then everything that actually made my list got a second highlighter color of you know process of elimination. Um, yeah, that's not how I played it, but it's, it's kind of how it played it's out. It's all good. Yeah, know? no, no, no. I played play it the way you want to play it. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much for coming, Peter. Any final thoughts before I close this out? We toss this one in the can. No, I'm good. We did we did another one. <laughs> we did another one. Yep. <laughs> no final thoughts. <laughs> no final thoughts. All right, everybody, do us all a favor. Check out our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, topfivereport at gmail dot com. You can interact with the show there, social media, either way works. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, which we understand, we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on X at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be Xing about how my favorite first person shooter is the lobby in Namco Museum Volume 3. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know what? I feel bad that I didn't call it X. Um, well done, my friend. All right. 
Uh, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. I'm Audrey. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.